You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. Everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe, and this week we are talking about the latest entry in the Fast and the Furious franchise, F9, the Fast Saga. And to help me talk about it, I am joined by the host of the Cobwebs podcast and someone who I was going to say is a great friend to me in the show, but really he's more like family. It's Daniel Epler. Daniel, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, man. Uh, I'm doing really good. I'm very excited to be on my second episode of Film Feast talking about a John Cena movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Very your John different. Cena guy. <laughs> You're my John Cena guy and probably soon to be car movie guy because we're doing ah, that's right. Days of Thunder in a little bit. But um, yeah, I, yeah, very different than Blockers, F9. Very, very different and very different John Cena performances. <laughs> but both about family. So <laughs> it works. <laughs> it's true. It's all about the family, uh, as, they, as they said in Blockers. Um I, this we have so much to talk about this movie, but before we get into that, um, and before we can talk about what we've seen late and all stuff, I do want to give a quick shout out to about our mutual friend Mitch Oliver. Has uh, I want to mention this because him and uh, quite a few other talented people have gotten together and they are trying to fund a short horror film called The Druid's Hand, and they started a Kickstarter for that. Um, and uh, I just want to kind of put that out there. You can follow. Uh, they have all these social media pages already. Druid, the Druid's Hand, and it's they have to Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, um, trying to raise money, get that going. Um, so by the time you hear this, just ch just check on that. If you can give anything, I just want to give them a shout out and tell everyone to go check that out and support it if you can. Because um, Mitch is a very, very nice guy. Uh, it's funny because me and him recorded an episode for this show about a month ago. It'll come out next week. Um, <laughs> so people have like, oh, Mitch has not been on this show yet, but he will be. And we've talked um, and he's very, very nice. I know you've talked to him many times, uh, I think. So um, Mitch Oliver, of course, the host of the Terror Table podcast as well. So I just wanted to shout out uh, people to check out The Druid's Hand, which is the film he's trying to work on. So just want to support him on that. Yeah, I'm really glad you shouted that out because honestly, like nobody deserves to make an indie horror movie more than Mitch because like he does an astounding job keeping up with the modern low budget horror scene. Like if you listen to his podcast, The Terror Table, I mean, he checks out everything like he really does a lot to support independent filmmakers in the horror genre. Um, so I always knew that he would be great to actually join that indie horror scene. And I'm so glad he's making that move because I'm positive he's going to do a great job. Yeah, I feel the same way. When he told me he was doing that, I was like beaming with pride. I felt like because that's a it's a hard thing to do. Like, I mean, you know, I went to film school. I always joke very, very briefly. And it's like it's just a hard industry to get into, to crack into. It takes a lot of commitment, a lot of dedication. Um, and he's passionate about it. So um, and he's a very, very nice person. So I support I support nice people. So um, 
yeah, he uh, he said such nice things about me, I think, on the podcast next week that I was like, this is nicer than my own family talks about me, Mitch. You're, you're embarrassing <laughs> me on the show. <laughs> so, um, yes, we, we support Mitch 100 percent. I I hope they uh, will get there. I think they're going to be OK. But uh, anything helps that anyone could donate to the Kickstarter. Um, and I'm excited to see that movie when they when they finish it. So um, just wanted to put that out there, for people. Um, so and moving on from that, I guess. Uh, we have not talked to them. Well, we, I say we haven't talked to them. Well, we did talk recently because <laughs> you and I <laughs> just did an episode of Cobwebs. I want to tell people listening to this show about who they probably already know. But if they don't, <laughs> we just did an episode of Cobwebs that dropped earlier this week. You're hearing this. Uh, that was a 24 hour action fest that me, you and Mike Scott programmed uh, and all picked. You know, we had four movies, four spots to pick each. And it was a ton of fun. Um, and I think people are enjoying it. And I thank you again for inviting me on the show because it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Like I, I said on that podcast, I got the two best guests for that show, and I absolutely did with you and Mike. Um, so I had a blast recording it, and it seems like, yeah, it seems like people are enjoying it. But if you haven't yet, uh, it's just us talking about a lot of cool action movies, putting them into a very specific order that we thought way too much about for a <laughs> film festival. And um, I think it's pretty fun. Yeah. 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 I had a really good time. And now we had to talk more action movies, although <laughs> much like we talked about with the MCU Fast and the Furious almost has become its own thing. Definitely still an action movie, but I feel like they bubbled out so much that it's like they're their own weird subgenre or something. That, <laughs> that is an sense. exact point I was going to bring up. <laughs> yes, I think you're dead on the money. Okay. Um, but before we get into Fast and the Furious, which I, or F- F9, I can't, I didn't know it was called F9 the Fast Saga until about two weeks ago, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just F9. And I was like, really? It's Colin the Fast Saga? Okay. Um, I'll I'll say the whole title. Uh, but <laughs> we have plenty to say about that. But I will ask you, because I, I know you had something you want to talk about. Um, have you seen anything lately that, uh, has been interesting or good or terrible. Any of that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I've been doing a pretty decent job lately, keeping up with new releases. Uh, so I did have three new releases I wanted to talk about, but real quick, I wanted to mention one movie that's not a new release. Uh, I just watched one of my recent Vinegar Syndrome sale hall picks, and, uh, I just watched Malibu high from 1979. Have you seen Malibu high? It, I bought it in a sale and still haven't watched it yet. <laughs> so haven't seen it. Okay, yeah, I just want to talk about it a little bit um, because it's just such a weird, weird movie. Um, I do really wish that I had like a pure experience watching this movie from just seeing the poster. Because if you look up the poster, it is one of the most misleading marketing things you'll ever see in your life. I mean, it couldn't be more misleading if aliens were on the poster. It just looks like a super generic uh, beach comedy, which, by the way, is not something I'm against. But it looks like um, like like hard bodies or something like that. Uh, but I had heard that it was way, way darker. And uh, and it did turn out to be that it's a, it's it's kind of a movie up there with Sleepaway Camp in terms of like every cast member is super angry all the time and hateful. <laughs> and it's about a teenage girl who looks like 27 years old, but whatever. <laughs> she is a high school girl. And she is miserable. She hates her life. She's flunking out of all her classes. Her boyfriend, her super hateful boyfriend towards her just dumped her and uh, is dating another girl who is also incredibly hateful towards her. And she decides, you know, I'm going to take control of my life. And the way she decides to take control of it is by sleeping with her professors or teachers and blackmailing them into giving her good grades and becoming a prostitute. And that is the movie. And that's not even the half of it is she gets into increasingly more illegal and dangerous lines of work. (laughs) And uh, it's yeah, it's a pretty crazy movie. Consistently entertaining and weird and just 
very bizarre dialogue sequences of, of again just people being incredibly hateful towards one another and uh it's just it's a pretty entertaining ride uh, particularly i think because of what the poster shows you and then what it turns out to be like that poster is like objectively a bad idea but i actually think it improves the movie because it makes it more interesting you know <laughs> yeah i uh that's so funny because yeah, I had the same idea I think you did from, you know, it's Malibu High, I saw the poster. I think it might have been, was it, is it early 80s, I believe? Uh, 1979. So okay, basically. late 70s. So yeah, I, I thought it was like kind of in that vein of like Animal House or Porky's or something or like maybe like a teen, like high school, like sex comedy or something like that. And then I, it's funny because I wish I didn't know more about it either, but I think Tarantino mentioned it on Pure Cinema and and him and me, Brian, or something, we're, were kind of telling what it was really about. And that got me to buy it because before that, I completely ignored it. So it's kind of like good and bad. It's like, I wish I didn't know, but knowing what I know got me to actually buy the movie. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you will enjoy it. So that's a that's a fun vinegar syndrome pick. Um, but, yeah, there are three new releases I just saw that I would love to shout out, one of which. I know for sure that you also watch because I just noticed you log in on your letterbox. So I'm going to leave that last. Um, so I went to the movie theater uh, yesterday and I saw the forever purge. Have you seen the forever purge yet? I did see that over the weekend. Yep. <laughs> okay, nice. So my background with the purge franchise, I'm not really a fan to be honest. Um, I've never saw the first one. I heard good things about anarchy. I went to see that and, uh, and I thought anarchy was okay. And, uh, and I saw election year and I really didn't like it. But the Forever Purge is definitely my favorite so far. And a big reason is it it fixes a really superficial aesthetic issue that I've never liked about this franchise. <laughs> so due to like the premise that crime is illegal for like the certain amount, I think it's like 12 hours, something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. Just overnight. Um, the movies are just really, really dark. They're, and I don't think the nighttime cinematography is particularly good. They're contrasted by really bright neon lights. And I just I, I've always found the movies kind of an eyesore to look at for 90 minutes. Uh, but this is the forever purge. So it's not just overnight. So there's a lot of daytime scenes. And I just found it far easier on my eyeballs. And I that just allowed me to enjoy the movie a lot more. <laughs> Uh, but it's kind of a Western, which I enjoy. It takes place in Texas, so it kind of has some visual trappings that I like from the Western genre. Um, it has George, Josh Lucas and a pretty good performance. I've always liked Josh Lucas. He's kind of a that guy actor. He's had his turn at bat to be a leading man a few times, but usually not terribly successfully. He's mostly a supporting actor, and and he is supporting in this, and I, I thought he was really, really good, but it's also got very likable um, lead characters as well. Um, that is something that I've, I've never really cared for characters in Purge movies, but I, I, I did like the characters in this one, and um, and it has pretty good action scenes. I would say it's far more of an action movie than it is a horror movie. Like, the one thing that connects it to the horror genre at all is is that bad guys wear scary masks but that's kind of the extent <laughs> of it like the intense sequences never feel like horror sequences they feel like action scenes and um yeah i don't think the forever purge is great I, it doesn't converted me to being like a huge purge fan but I, I thought it was a pretty cool exploitation flick to go see at a mainstream theater so yeah i i liked it yeah i actually feel pretty similarly um i i've actually liked the series you know, it's funny because I think the worst one in the series is the first one. They've gotten better since because I uh, I feel like the first one just doesn't do much with the premise and it's kind of contained. And um, 
actually the second one anarchy is my favorite because it's basically like a you kind of get like a Frank Gr- uh, Grillo Punisher movie like in a small kind of uh, bubble there. It's like you get like that little taste of like him as Punisher almost. And um, they've basically been action movies, I feel like, since then, but with like horror beats. Like this one has some some kind of cheap jump scares they try, but they don't try that hard. Like it's mostly just a flat out like action movie. And like I said, people have scary masks. But uh, yeah, it, it was interesting because they kind of had to do this with the premise at this point because they've kind of run the premise like into the ground of, you know, overnight survive the night but by this time i don't think it's a spoiler because it's in all the, the trailers um that it's you know people keep purging after the purge is over and that causes all kinds of like chaos and insanity and uh yeah i enjoyed it it it, is, it does feel like kind of like a modern exploitation movie in a weird way um but it's fun i mean it's not like a great great movie but uh it's enjoyable for sure and i i do i didn't i thought i liked the leads more this time than i've liked anybody since like frank grillo there was the, i can't remember the main guy's name in the fourth one, which was te- was called the first purge, which is very confusing. Uh, he was good. I cannot remember his name. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they're just kind of like the series been kind of like a steady line to me since like two. <laughs> so this one I thought actually was probably maybe like my second favorite after Anarchy, and yeah, maybe the second best in the whole series for me. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and it kind of I felt like it came out of nowhere. I feel like I didn't even know it was coming out Fourth of July weekend until like the week before, a couple days before or something. <laughs> Yeah, I I, uh, I saw a trailer for it when I went to the theater recently and, and was just pretty surprised by how cool it looked. Um, and, and judging by how this movie ends, you know, like no big spoilers, but it is called The Forever Purge. I'm guessing the next movie is going to be like a, a straight up Mad Max, like post-apocalypse movie, which that that's kind of exciting. Like, I am interested oh, yeah. to see where this franchise goes. That would be interesting. I, I may I mean, maybe wrong. I thought I heard them say, like, definitively, this is the last one in the franchise, but... I feel like oh, that might be weird. wrong. I mean, plus with like with horror type stuff or I feel like you can always pump out, a, you know, more sequels. You know what I mean? And they and they leave it open for more sequels. I kind of like I really do like where they leave it because it's a very interesting kind of twist on things. I, I'll say this about the Purge series. I, people don't like this about them. I kind of love that their thing is like they are not subtle at all with like modern politics or anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is as subtle as a sledgehammer. And I don't mind. That's kind of like the Purge series thing at this point they just kind of embrace it like you know they don't dance around issues and they just kind of like just throw them right in your face and it's i'm just like that's fine like you don't need to be subtle purge it's not your it's not your bag (laughs) (laughs) um it's we know what you are at this point so yeah i had i had fun with it um it was funny because i went with my uh my sister because she just wanted to tag along and see a movie and she had no idea what was about going in so she was very like and i didn't tell her anything she was like i'll go i've seen other purge movies and she didn't know the whole twist with like not like a twist, but like that there was going to be purging past when the purge ends. And she really surprised her. <laughs> she was like, oh, they're already they made it to the purge unscathed. What's this about? And then it goes on for like another hour or something. So um, that was interesting. But yeah, it's it's fun. I I, I kind of like it. I kind of like the series. It's kind of like kind of dumb in its own way, but but weirdly enjoyable. I don't know. They're just I, yeah, I kind of enjoy them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will say at at the risk of maybe upsetting some people, I left the theater a lot happier than I did leaving A Quiet Place 2. So I will um, leave it at that. I still have not seen Quiet Place 2. So I know I, I, I think it's hitting Paramount Plus in like a week. So now I think I might just watch oh, it on okay. there. That's it, I kind of missed it. And then it's all going to be on there. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll just watch it at home, which might be better because every time I go to a theater, especially when I go to me, it's like it's a very like loud theater because they serve food there and you've got like waiters taking orders and people ordering food and it's like it's just not a good environment for uh for a quiet place movie i don't think so 
probably better I wait on that one. <laughs> so. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. It's it is technically well made. I was just not into it. But okay. it, it it's it's well made on a technical level for sure. Interesting. Okay. Um, okay. So we both both saw Forever Purge. I'm curious what else you got here. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, I uh, I just watched this movie today, and this one had been on my radar for a while. Uh, not just because it's an it's a new independent horror film that had a lot of buzz, but uh, it is a Kansas City, Missouri movie, and I am a Missouri boy myself, so it was cool to see a movie <laughs> that was shot in Kansas City, made by a Kansas City resident. Uh, this is the stylist. From, oh, okay. yeah, technically, I think the last year release, but I think most people are seeing it this year. So it's kind of a 2021 movie. But um, yeah, the stylist for anyone that doesn't know, I feel like most people in the in cinephile circles online, I feel douchey saying the word cinephile, but <laughs> movie fan circles online probably know what this is by now. But um, it is a new horror film directed by a woman named Jill uh give ver- uh, man i'm not positive how to spell how to pronounce this last name i've but, never um, known either i see her on twitter and i don't know how to say her last name and i feel terrible but i'm bad with names so let me uh i'm gonna look up while you're trying to figure it out <laughs> um i think give, she goes give by... something like that i sure. think yeah anyway <laughs> um yeah she is all over twitter and she is clearly for watching this movie extremely talented this is a very good indie horror film um it is a very much a character study about uh, a woman named Claire, played by Najara Townsend, who people might know she was the lead in Contracted, which was kind of a popular horror film from like the early 2010s. Um, But she plays a hairstylist who I I guess I would categorize as like incredibly socially anxious, who's very desperate for human connection um, exclusively with women. And often when she finds that human connection, she will, she reacts to it by drugging the woman uh, and scalping her and then wearing the scalp on her head and pretending to be that woman for a little bit. And that's, it seems to be like her mental health care and that like when she really starts spiraling down a really bad place, she will then just kill somebody and scalp them. And then she feels better for a while. Uh, it's very, very dark and tense. And the scalping sequences are very gruesome uh, but Bria Grant enters the movie, who is was a, like a straight up queen of independent horror. Like you've seen her <laughs> in many, many things, I guarantee you. Um, but she is a woman who Claire ends up kind of idolizing. She wants her life. And this this idolization turns into an obsession. And it, it kind of turns into like kind of the the same sex obsession story that we've seen many times in something like uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley or Ingrid Goes West even, but um, the movie's very good at getting you to sympathize with Claire as she's such an incredibly sad and lonely presence, and Najara Townsend's performance is phenomenal. Uh, really, really great. And and the movie, just on a visual level, looks better than like almost any other new release I've seen this year. I mean, this is a low-budget movie, but wow, they did a lot with the money. It just looks, it's a gorgeous-looking film. Uh, so I, I was a big fan of the stylist. It's a very interesting character study, great to look at, very gruesome at times. Yep, it, it's, it's good stuff. I was a fan. I really need to see that because I think, you know, you've said you really liked it. I know our friend Anthony King really raved about it when he saw it. Um, I've heard people say good things. I, is it available? Can I just VOD now? Or is it like on the, I think it was on the Arrow streaming platform for a while or something. So yeah, I watched it on the Arrow streaming platform. I just get it. The, the Arrow streaming platform is $5 a month. I just got a free trial. I'm undecided if I'm going to keep it around after the free trial, but yeah, I just got that free trial and just watched the movie in beautiful HD. It was, it's a pretty sweet deal. 
Cool. Yeah, I need to check that out because I've heard like nothing but good things at this point. So um, I might do that free trial and uh, and check it out. So, no, it sounds very cool. I've heard. Yeah, I think it was a short film, too, before the full length. So um, which I got a lot of buzz. So no, it sounds it sounds good. I um, I have heard, too, that, yeah, they got a lot out of the budget, it sounds like. So I'm very curious to see how good it looks. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's good stuff on a visual level for sure, even with that low budget. Uh, but but speaking of movies without a low budget, <laughs> I, I would guess because this is a much more higher profile movie. Uh, I watched Fear Street Part One, 1994, and I think this is one you watched as well, right? This is one I watched as well. Yeah, I think I'm gonna guess the whole music budget this movie was more than the budget for the style. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, go it ahead. It is wall-to-wall yeah. soundtrack <laughs> choice. There's needle drops within needle drops in this movie. <laughs> it's like they start a song and say, no, we're bored with that. We're going to go to another one now. I know. <laughs> so weird. Oh. But Uh, yeah, sorry to to jump in. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's all good. Yeah, some people might think I'm criticizing a movie or making fun (laughs) of the movie, but I love this movie, man. Like, I I don't know that it's technically as good as the stylist, but it just got me like, it really got me in the heart a lot more than I would say the stylist does, which has made me more technically well-made. But yeah, uh, I'm a huge R.L. Stein guy because I love Goosebumps and this is based on his Fear Street series. And I, I was shocked that it's based on like an R.L. Stein thing. And this movie is a hard R. It is very, very gory. It is a gory slasher film. It even has a sex scene in it. So yeah, in a lot of language, I was, I was very surprised. I was expecting like just a step above the Goosebumps movie, but, but this is a, a pure slasher flick. And, um, I loved it. I absolutely loved these characters. It, it's not just a great teen slasher movie. I thought it was a great teen romance movie. It's a it's a really great film romantically, I thought. Um, but this is one of those slasher movies that are rare but very special where um, you care about the teen characters so much that you really, really don't want them to die. And normally watching teenagers die is the reason you watch a slasher movie. So it's pretty cool when the movie's so good, again, you to care about the characters. And I felt like that about this movie. Um, I, I love the style of it. I understand if somebody might think it's over stylized because it's very stylized. Uh, but I, I, I was on board for all of it. It's a really, really cool movie. I'm super excited for parts two and three. Um, yeah, I, I think it's on Netflix. I think people, you know, if you're a horror fan, check this out. It really got me in the spooky mood. And I haven't been in the spooky mood a whole lot uh, in a little while because, you know, I've been watching a lot of like action movies and 1930s, 40s movies. That's kind of where my heart's been this year. But I was in the spooky season mood watching Fear Street. Loved it. Loved this one. Uh, man, I I did not love it, but I really, really liked it. I And it's funny because. You. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> listen, we might be kind of not like alone, but there's a lot of people who seem angry about this movie. Like they they just hate it. Like I people I follow on Letterboxd whose opinions I, I, you know, really respect are just like bashing it like one star, you know, half star, like hating on it so hard. And I, I don't know what the issue is. Like I so I really liked it. I could see on like a different day if I was in like a bad mood, it it might rub me the wrong way because um, I sometimes I sometimes get tired of, uh, you know, if a movie is set, this movie puts it in the title. So you can't avoid. No, it's 1994. Like, you know what year it is. And I get sometimes annoyed a movie like just constantly kind of like reminds you the time. It's like, we got it. You don't got to beat us over the head with it. Um, but I like really enjoyed all the needle drops and people, people were so upset on like Twitter about like the music. And I joked on the needle drops, but I liked them. People like were so upset. I feel like, and they were like, this is 94. 
Yeah, it's not 94. No, it's not. It looks kind of like Stranger Things version of 1994. So it's very like neon. I swear that mall in the beginning looks like the same mall they filmed like uh, last season of Stranger Things at. It looked the same like the same mall to me. But um, it I mean, I, I liked it. I like you have not been in much of a horror mood for like most of this whole year. I don't know if I've actually said this on the podcast, but like. I, I thought myself was like a horror guy for the longest time, but like this, I go through like phases. So it would be like a week of like a certain star that I'm into or director or a genre, but it's been like six solid months of like, I just want to watch action movies <laughs> and fear street 94 was like surprisingly refreshing to me. Like I really enjoyed it. I, I did like the characters. Like you said, um, I was genuinely like upset when a couple of them, uh, get killed as a slash movie. That's not really a, a spoiler, but like I was like, oh no, because I actually gave a shit about them, which is rare. Um, there's yeah, there's some very gory kills. Uh, there's the thing with a bread slicer, which I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, there's like, um, there's like a good like romance in there. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good little elements in the movie, and I had fun with it. I mean, I don't I, like. I kind of knew what I I think I was expecting going in. Like it was very glossy and very like stylish and you know it's i don't know it just i people seem very up in arms about it and i didn't quite get what they were so mad about like i guess if you put the year and your title people are going to criticize you for not being like authentic 1984 but <laughs> i mean i just wasn't an issue for me at all i just really had fun with the movie and i'm also excited for the next couple parts because i know one is like 78 i believe which looks like a kind of friday the 13th camp slasher and then there's one that's like 1666 which looks like maybe kind of like a Salem witch trials type thing. So I don't, I don't know, but I'm, I'm interested in the whole thing. And yeah, I'm very curious about where they're going to go and how, how much they're going to connect these three movies. I'm glad I want to wait a week between each movie. Cause I don't want to wait like six months or something. All right, man. So mm -hmm. here's the thing. Uh, and, and I've talked, I think I talked about this on your podcast before, I think on my very first episode, when we talked about Hellfest. modern slasher movies are never, liked when they first come out like with the possible exception of halloween 2018 if a modern slasher movie comes out it is always trashed always 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 and uh and i think it used to take about 10 years for them people to come around to it things are moving a lot faster now i think it takes two to three years and then suddenly everyone's like oh man did you know that this slasher movie is actually good and i'm like yeah yeah i saw it then and it was good then like hell fast <laughs> suddenly the entire world loves Hellfest now, but I remember when it was treated as as Satan incarnate. People thought Hellfest <laughs> was the worst movie ever made. Um, I have I admit I haven't seen a lot of hate on this. Most people that I follow seem to be liking it, but I have seen the time period criticism where people are like, "This didn't have to take place in 1994. Why did it have to be 1994?" And I would say, well, one the time period is in the gimmick of this series. They all take place in a certain year in the past. And this one just happens to be 1994. And two, like, I don't know what people did. You want them to stop the movie so they could discuss Bill Clinton for five minutes. <laughs> like, I don't know what you want. Like, it just happens to take place in 1994. Who gives a shit? It's fine. I don't know why anybody cares. I, people get really up in arms about that kind of stuff. I don't know. Like, and like I said, I usually don't let it bother me. I can remember one movie where it really bothered me and I almost don't want to bring it up because I think people like it, but, um, is it Captain Marvel? No, no, no. I, I thought that was fine. Actually. I didn't mind that either. I'll just say it. It was actually, um, summer of 84. Have you seen summer of 84? Oh no, I still haven't. 
boy, do I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't say that kind of thing a lot in this podcast, but I was like, I remember I wrote my own, like, someone actually liked my letterbox review. They reminded me like two years ago, I wrote this thing and I was like, oh yeah, right. And I read it again. I remember I wrote like, so this movie went from really just annoying me to actively pissing me off by the end of it because it's like, and it's from the people that made Turbo Kid, which is a movie that I love. And like Summer of 84, I couldn't like hate anymore if I tried because it's like, just imagine the worst like caricatures of like kids. There's like four boys and it's literally like their characters are leader, fat kid, I think nerd and like rebel punk kid. And that's like, there's no reason they should be friends. They have no real connection. They just say stuff like, you guys really remind me of those Ewoks from Return of the Jedi. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, can't believe your parents are going to vote for Reagan this year. You know, it's just like so, uh, they lay it on so thick with like the, the we're 1984 stuff. Like we got it. Like we know what year it is. Like it's in the movie title. And um, that one just actively annoyed me. And it's so funny that Summer 94, or, uh, uh, Fear Street 94, like I just, I was fine with all that stuff. I don't, I don't remember them making a lot of like specific like, like same things about the year. There's a lot of needle drops either. in the year. Yeah, yeah, nobody ever comes back from the movies and is like, I just saw Speed. It was good. <laughs> it's like, that Keanu's going to be a great action star. <laughs> like, um, yeah, no, there's. I don't think there's a lot of that going on. That stuff annoys me more than like needle drops in a movie. Like, that's fine. I like most of those songs, too. So I saw a lot of like, yeah, it was either like you love it or you hate it, it seemed like. So, and you're right about the slasher thing. I feel like modern slashers come out and... You know, people just kind of they don't care or they think they're terrible. But listen, and then you go back to like the 80s, every god off, not every, but if there's like a terrible slasher movie, it has like a pocket of fans and it probably gets oh, like yeah. a, a fancy Blu-ray from it somebody. Thirty five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I've bought a few of those, I'm sure. But it just who takes time. It? Yeah, it just takes time for these things. So uh, people, I, you know, who knows? I, I don't know. I, I We both liked it. So I guess we're. We're okay, but um, you know, I, if people didn't like it, that's fine. Because, like I said, I, on a different day, I could see me, I could see myself getting annoyed at it. But I liked, I liked the characters, I liked the style, I, I was into it. I, you know, I don't know. I just thought it was harmless. I don't like got so mad about it. Everyone got so upset about it. Do you want to know a weird anecdote about the movie? Uh, so after <laughs> I watched it, I looked up the lead actress, who, who's a high school girl. Um, cause I was thinking, like, have I seen her in anything else? Like, I, I want to check. And uh, she is older than I am. Oh, wow. She is like about 30 years old. I was shocked. Wait, the main girl? <laughs> yeah, the main girl is 30. Wow. that I'm shocked by that. <laughs> I know. It's super weird. Wow. Um, man, that is weird. I'm glad you told me that because I'm like, I'm now I'm like stunned. I'm going to look. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, wow. She looked way younger. That's insane. Um, so I told my friend the other day that like Ralph Macchio was like 24 in Karate Kid. He like almost fell out of his chair <laughs> no he looks 12 years old in that he movie he looks 12 i'm Crazy. like he hit puberty when he was like 35 or something <laughs> like, <laughs> um he did not believe me he like he fact checked me he's like no way man there's no way he was 24 i'm like no it's it, look it up i didn't believe it either <laughs> so um but yeah okay well i mean i'm glad you liked it too because yeah it was like kind of i want to like tweet about it if i was scared i was gonna attack or something <laughs> so <laughs> just let it lie just let it just not even talk about it <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that all this hate was going on, really. But, like, you know, I'm not surprised. I think I think if for what people go to new releases for, slasher movies normally don't give you that. Like, I think nowadays people want something a lot more epic or emotional or, like, they want some sort of big experience if it's a new film. And 
slasher movies just tend to be slasher movies. And people are always like, I expected more than a slasher movie. But it's like, well, that's what it is. Like, but if it's older and then there's not as much pressure on it, then people are like, oh, it's just a slasher movie and it's well done and the characters are cool. All right, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I feel the same way. So um, I feel like a lot, of, I do watch like a good amount of modern horror movies and most of them don't stick, but I feel like Fear Street 94 hit for me pretty well compared to most modern horror movies. So I was like, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I, I'm I'm very I, I'm very curious. Like when they wrap when they do all three, like if they're gonna really connect that strongly, or if that connection's kind of gonna fall apart a little bit. You know what I mean? Like how how well they're gonna tie it all together is my is my real like thing I'm curious about. Yeah, I have no idea. I expected them to be completely separate anthology stories, but judging from this one, like especially this one's third act, I don't think I think they are gonna tie together. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how that's gonna work. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we brought that up because that was on my list, too. So any, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, no. I'm, I'm interested in what you have. Well, I have one that I, I thought you were going to bring up. But we, we could both talk about it because you got me to rewatch it uh, for the first time in like 20 years. Uh, Iron oh, Monkey. I know what you're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. I watched Iron Monkey, which technically is from like 93, but didn't come out in the States to like, I want to say 2002 or something <laughs> like. Wow. Yeah. And I remember this when it came out because. This was uh, also another hot topic. I probably should mention right now, but uh, Quentin Tarantino was <laughs> like uh, he he. This was like one of his things that he kind of produced, I think, or got put out through Miramax when he had like a lot of pull there. Um, and I think kind of put his name all over it, so it was more like Quentin Tarantino presents Iron Monkey. Um, and of course, at that time, it was like twofold. He was like early two thousands. I'm a huge Tarantino fan and getting into his stuff, and I'm into like getting into martial arts movies and stuff like that. And uh, I remember I rented it, but I only saw it once. Like I'm, it was literally probably almost 20 years ago at this point. Um, and then you posted about it and like, I think gave it five stars. Remember it. Right? And I was like, I got to rewatch iron monkey. <laughs> um, it's awesome. I don't, I was like, how did I forget this movie? Because it's incredible. Um, it's UN whooping who of course did stuff on the matrix. And I mean, many, many other things, but people will know him probably from the matrix. He worked on kill bill. Um, after that, um, and I hadn't seen, I don't think I've seen anything he actually directed himself. So, um, it's, it's super fun. Like it does a good mix of comedy and action, which sometimes I feel like if I watch like the, like the Hong Kong martial arts movies, it's sometimes the comedy is like a little too much for me, but this is a very, very nice balance. It's like genuinely funny. Um, there's great action. It's like, it was like an hour and a half long, if that, and it's like, I feel like it's just a lot of fights and it's that really great, like, you know, wire work, people flying around, <laughs> which like um, I can get into when it's done really well. And it's done really well in Iron Monkey. It's 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 great. It's you and you and pink. So, of course, it's great. Um, so, yeah, I had a great time revisiting it. I'm really glad you brought it up to me because I was like, oh, shit, I haven't watched Iron Monkey in almost 20 years. So it was very fun to revisit. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed revisiting it. It was also like more on my radar because uh, I don't know if you remember, but Mike on our 24-hour action marathon, like he didn't program it in our marathon, but it was on his original list. And that was just another reminder. Oh, I got to watch Iron Monkey. Um, yeah, it's it's like a martial arts movie that made that felt like it was targeted to me because in plot, it's a total swashbuckler. Like it's total Zorro, the Scarlet Pimpernel. You know, it's a mild-mannered guy in a village who puts on a mask and fights the uh, government that's oppressing the poor, poor, the poor people and uh, steals from the rich and gives to the poor. Robin Hood, you know, is another 
uh, clear influence. And I, I'm a total mark for swashbucklers. I love all the cliches of that genre. And this movie really, really fits in there super well. Um, so I love the plot. I love the characters. The characters are so lovable. The humor is great. I'm totally with you on the humor. Like I laughed a lot. It's a very, very funny movie. Um, but the action is amazing. Just, just earlier today, I actually listened to, um, I don't know if you listen to this podcast, but I listened to the Kicking and Screaming podcast and I listened to their episode on Iron Monkey to see what they had to say. And when they were talking about you and Wu Ping, I, I realized that like I didn't even know it, but he is my martial arts guy. Like every <laughs> period martial arts movie I like, like he is involved in it. It's well, other than Shaw Brothers stuff, obviously. But, you know, Iron Monkey, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, Fist of Legend. Um, he's doing the choreography for like all these movies. And um, yeah, so clearly I'm a big fan of him. Uh, Donnie Yen's great in the movie. I don't know the name of the guy who actually plays the Iron Monkey, but he's great. There's a kid actor that's fantastic. Um, the Iron Monkey has a has a partner uh, who is a woman who is also super, super badass. So, yeah, like I, this is one that like the action is great, but I walk away from it thinking about how great the characters are, how much I love the the themes of the plot and and the jokes are great. It, it's an awesome, awesome movie. And it's on Paramount Plus uh, for anybody that wants to check it out. Yeah, and Paramount Plus uh, was kind of like when they first launched. I was like, "Oh God, another another streaming service!" But but I think they just added like I I'm not exact. I think they added like seven thousand movies in like a week or something. They dumped a ton oh, of shoot. movies on there, and they got some interesting stuff. And they have a lot of like older like martial arts stuff. There's some Jackie Chan stuff on there. I think um, they have a I think an interesting mix of movies. And I think it's like I think I got a deal where I'm paying five bucks for it. So it has like a ton of movies are on there and I'm watching like old Nickelodeon shows on there too. They've got like, like old Nickelodeon game shows I'm super into. Um, so it's, yeah, but the movies on there, I'm like, Oh, cause Iron Monkey wasn't streaming anywhere else. I was like, Oh, Paramount plus. Okay. I got that. Um, it's fun. I, I, the, the stuff with the kid, it's funny. Cause I say I rewatched it, but it feels like it felt like a new watch because I know I'd seen it, but I remembered almost none of it except for like the last fight scene, which is actually pretty amazing where they're like jumping around on, these columns, these wooden columns, everything's on fire. <laughs> it's like just crazy. Like what's happening. It's like an amazing fight scene, amazing wire work. Um, love that kid. He's great. He has some good fight scenes too. I love how all like the main four, it's like Johnny Yen, I can't remember the iron monkey, the guy himself, uh, his, the woman who's his partner and the kid all are, all can hang and all fight, have great fight scenes themselves. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a super fun movie. Yeah. I was really glad I rewatched it. I was like, yeah, I should be watching this more than once every 20 years. <laughs> yeah, it, it might be my new favorite period martial arts movie, actually. Like, uh, you know, it's up with Fist of Legend and Crouching Tiger. I really, really love it. It's yeah, no, it's great. I'm, I'm with you on that one. So, um, yeah, I guess it's funny because I had Fear Street, Forever Purge. You already mentioned those. And I hired my Iron Monkey, and that was really all I had to talk about. So, <laughs> well, well, it looks uh, like we're like 40 minutes into this thing, so I think that's well, okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say it's like I hope people enjoyed this opening. So, um, but yes, I'm sure they want to hear more about F9, the Fast Saga, which I still can't believe is the actual title. Of the movie. <laughs> it's a saga, like the Skywalker uh, saga. God, F9 was <laughs> the Toretto okay. saga. <laughs> the Toretto. Oh, it's a Toretto saga. It's all about. <laughs> It's all about the uh, we have so much to talk about. I don't even know where to begin. Um, I, you know, before even, I will ask you because I'm curious about this because uh, I have kind of a specific story about. Like, do you remember when you really got into this franchise? Like what entry? Like because I I know you're a little younger than me. And I remember when the first one came out and I kind of like saw the first couple and fell off with the franchise and went back in with like five. So I'm curious if you had like a an entry point where you're like, oh, I'm on board for this whole series now. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. My, my well, it's not very exciting, honestly. Uh, okay. My entry point was five. Um, I don't remember exactly what pushed me to watch it. Uh, I had just heard that it was a really, really good action movie. And I, and at the time, I think I kind of believed the stigma around the Fast and Furious franchise. Like, it's a lot more loved and respected now. But around, you know, 2011 when 5 came out, it was barely above a direct-to-video series in terms of, like, level of respect in mainstream communities and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I remember just going to my local Entertain Mart, which is a used DVD Blu-ray shop in where I lived, and uh, and I bought Fast Five on Blu-ray, and I watched it, and I loved the movie. But for a long time, Fast Five was my only Fast and Furious movie. Uh, it was the only one I bothered to watch because I, again, I kind of believe the stigma about the previous ones. I remember I went to go see Fast Six though at like a, a dollar theater. Because because some friends wanted to watch it, I thought it was a blast. I thought it was really fun. I, not long after, I sought out the first movie and thought it was like you know entertaining cheese. But I didn't check out two through four until last year. I finally oh, wow. got okay. around to it. And like I saw, I saw Furious Seven in theaters. I saw Fate of the Furious in theaters. Like I was always going to see these new movies, but I just believed the stigma around two through four that they're you know not good at all and not worth watching. Um, but it was when I finally watched those movies that I discovered, oh, I am a huge fan of this franchise. It's actually similar to the fact that, um, like, my whole life I've been to one degree or another a Star Wars fan, but I always had to believe the stigma around the prequels and kind of hated on the prequels. And it wasn't until a few years ago when I rewatched the prequels and kind of fell in love with those that those movies kind of brought the whole star wars saga together for me and now like it's not just that like oh i like these 80s space movies they're fun it's like oh i'm diehard star wars fan like i love the lore i love everything about it and and the same thing happened to me with the fast and furious movies when i saw two through four i realized that like oh these aren't just cool action movies this is a series that i actually really really care about Okay, yeah, yeah. Now, would you watch two, three, four, uh, two through four, and go, "Oh, that's who all these people are who show up in these later movies"? Yes, I was so <laughs> surprised to see Gal Gadot in four. I was like, I, I didn't even know she was in this series before that. <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah, me neither. I, it's so weird because, like, so my re, kind of my comeback point to this movie was five because I saw one because one was a very big deal. Like, it felt like because I was, oh, I think it was freshman year of high school, two thousand one. Yeah, so. Like, I remember girls were, like, picking sides. They're like, oh, I'm a Paul Walker girl. I'm a Vin Diesel girl. <laughs> like, and outside my local theater we used to go to, um, that they had a huge parking lot. Like, just massive parking lot. And people started, after Fast and Furious came out, the first one, people started doing, like, big, like, car get-togethers. I don't think it was anyone to have a race, but it was, like, all... It looked like you were in a Fast and the Furious when you walk out the parking lot because they had taken over the parking lot and it's just all these souped up like import cars. <laughs> and uh, and so it was like a kind of a phenomenon for a little bit. And uh, then I saw Too Fast, Too Furious and was like, eh, about it. And then I was like, OK, I think I'm done with this and like completely missed Tokyo Drift for a really long time. Um, somehow didn't even feel I don't feel like I even knew the fourth one came out. I just like kind of saw an HBO and I was like, huh, when this one come out? <laughs> And apparently that one did pretty well, but I completely missed it. Didn't really pay attention to it even then. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, and then I, I, it's so funny. Me and my sister wanted to go see a movie. I'm pretty sure it was Easter weekend and like we had nothing else to do. And we tried to go see something else that was sold out. And like by fate, we just were like, well, let's go see this new Fast and Furious movie, Fast Five. And we was like, I don't know what's going on, whatever. Let's go in there. And we 
had like the best time. <laughs> like we were just like loving it. We're laughing. We're just che- like we're just having the best time in the world. And we're like, that was great. And ever since then, we've been like die hard. We make it a thing. Like we have to go see the new Fast and Furious the weekend it comes out. Um, and I was blown away. I was trying to tell my sister in five. I was like, oh, uh, that's so and so from this one. And that's so it's like, I'm like, how is this all connecting? What's going on? <laughs> like, um, bring all these characters back. It was very like, um, I was just blown away. They were bringing like Tyrese back and Ludacris and uh, um, all these other people. And I'm like, what is going on with this movie? It's I didn't expect this. So, um, yeah, I've been on board ever since. Uh, We'll talk. I'm sure we'll get into it. But they kind of things have slipped recently in this franchise, I would say, like post seven uh, things have been kind of on uh, on icy ground, I would say. Yes, uh, literal icy ground at the end of Fate <laughs> of the Furious, if I remember true. correctly. That's true, literal icy ground. Um, and I guess we could say, like, very general thoughts. We're getting to spoilers, so people, if they haven't seen it yet. Uh, so your, what are your general thoughts on F9? Uh, my general thoughts is it's kind of disappointing. Um, it's hardly an offensive movie. It doesn't do anything to the characters or to the franchise that upsets me or I feel like, well, now I just have to ignore what this movie did. Uh, it's nothing like that. I don't think it's hard is in a bad place, but my big issue with the movie is I felt like it was low energy and it's the first fast and furious movie I've ever seen that I just kind of felt like was a little, just everyone was kind of shrugging their shoulders a little bit. Um, like I, it was the first time that I felt like the cast was getting old and they kind of yeah. felt tired and, uh, especially, and I, it sucks to say this cause I've always loved her in the franchise, but Michelle Rodriguez seemed like openly hostile in the movie to where, like, I felt like she was mad at me for even going to see it. Um, I felt like she was just like, I just want to make avatar too. Like, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. That was a total, I don't know. Like, uh, it's um you and I talked a little bit off mic a little while ago about this movie. And, and one thing I said is the Paul Walker problem is insurmountable. It cannot mm. be fixed. Um, yeah. it, it's, <laughs> it's horrifically tragic what happened to him on a personal level. And just that he, as a person is gone from the world, but him gone from this franchise, it, um, I don't think it works anymore. Like, I don't think the movies are horrible. I've seen far worse movies than fate of the furious or F nine. Like they're not, but, um, it's, it's just not the same. And for me, the franchise is one through seven. I want to one degree or another pretty much love every movie one through seven. And then after that, it's, uh, they're just, they keep going, even though like, I feel like it should end because seven is a perfect ending. It's beautiful. It, um, I mean, I wish it didn't have to end like that. Obviously it only ends like that because of real life tragedy, but handling that real life tragedy, it handles it perfectly. And so I, I love one through seven. And after that, it's, it's one degree or another of, of, of just disappointment pretty much <laughs> not, not total. Like I don't hate everything. I have good things to say about this movie, but um, yeah, I was disappointed for the most part. Yeah. I I'm with you on most on pretty much all of what you just said. I, I maybe liked a, a, a hair more than you. Did. I don't know because I really didn't like eight when I left eight. I was like, Oh boy, I wish this franchise would just end now because yeah, I, I'm so frustrated because they had the, the perfect ending with how they did seven and they were in a very tough situation with the Paul Walker death, which, yeah, like you said, it's very tragic. And I never thought it would affect the franchise as bad, the movies as bad as that it did. But it's, yeah, they can't get past it. And they can't, like, it's, it's a, the whole thing feels broken at this point. It's like they can't, uh, they can't figure it out. I feel like they, they don't know what to do. It, it's become like, 
the Vin Diesel show, which is like not a good thing at this point. Um, I don't think I don't know. It's just it's frustrating because I, I think the thing with this one, too, that really hurt it is I was pretty hyped back up for this one because I was kind of down after eight and I'm like, OK, they're going to totally course correct for nine because they got Justin Lin back, which is huge because he directed three through six, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, those two of those are my like some of my favorite in the franchise. So I'm like, we'll be good. He's back. They brought Han back. I saw that that trailer. Uh, I think the first trailer dropped like report kind of COVID was going to kind of hit. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, man, I it was like two months out. And I was like, oh, man, Han's back and Justin Lin's back. We're, we're great. We're going to be golden. <laughs> and I was like, we're going to be fine for this one. Um, and then so there was like a long, you know, a long time of hype and me thinking it'd be better. And then it's it's not that much better. <laughs> like, I think it's a little better than eight, but it it's yeah, it's just like it's not really the same anymore. I. I don't want to say they've jumped the shark, but <laughs> they may have jumped the shark a little bit um, with. Uh, and I'll just say right now, we're going to we're getting into spoilers, I think, because uh, it's hard to talk around all this stuff. But, um, yeah, the, some of the stuff they do in this one, it it borders on like self parody, which I really hate, um, because if you go back to like Fast Five, people think that's so ridiculous. But that seems grounded by comparison to nine, <laughs> like like two guys pulling a, ba a bank vault with two cars is like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is believable compared to what happens in nine. And they aren't on the point of everything. So winking yet, uh, you know, that, that really bothers me. It's almost like we're getting to like Sharknado territory or something. It's like, it's just too much. It's like, they're way too knowing about their reputation with people and things people want. And, uh, you know, it, I don't, that's kind of how my general feeling is. I just kind of, I don't like all like the, the self-knowing type thing. It's just, you know, don't be too winky. It's its frustrating. I don't know what you think about that kind of stuff. But So are you referring to like several things in the movie or are you just referring to space? <laughs> space is a part of it. There's a, the whole thing feels, there's, there's specific moments I'm thinking about, but the whole thing to me feels kind of like, we know this is completely ridiculous. Uh, the one thing I'm really thinking about that some people liked, I did not like it, is when Tyrese is like kind of doing this oh yeah meta thing about oh man guys we've been through some crazy adventures like we've done this we've done that um you know we, we must uh, be invincible we must be invincible I'm like oh my god stop no you're too you're, you know too much like I don't like that the characters are almost like they're they're like a step away from figuring out they're in a movie I don't like that <laughs> yeah that bit is not half as funny as in the nice guys when Ryan Gosling says I don't think I can die <laughs> That worked. This that, doesn't work that well. That works. That works. This is too much like this, the screenwriter got like kind of cute. I feel like it was like, what if he thinks they're invincible or like it, it, it really? <laughs> I thought Tyrese better say, what if we're in a movie? And I was going to like leave the theater. <laughs> um, if this were a movie, what would we do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then I then there, it's followed up or it comes before where Charlize Theron is talking about. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for making that obnoxious okay. drone on a podcast. What does she, she, what does she say? I, I, I've seen this one like two weeks ago and some of it's left my brain, but she's talking about this being a movie, right? What is she comparing she's it to? She's talking about it being a Star Wars Star movie. Star Wars movie, right. That's and it. And she's yeah. like, you'd be Yoda because he's a puppet with a hand up his ass. It's like, lady, what? <laughs> it's like, 
that you're talking about Yoda as an actual thing, not even the character. It's a it's a terrible metaphor. Uh, it's like I can't stand the whole. Th- that was horrible. I was like, get get out of here with this. And um, that might have also when she when she brought up the Toretto bloodline. Is that when that happened? Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, what are we doing right now? <laughs> We're gonna be here for hours. There's so much to address in this fucking movie. <laughs> Me and my sister stood out in the movie theater parking lot for, I think, at least 20 minutes talking about things that were ridiculous or made no (laughs) sense. Or we were like, so wait, how did that like, you know, and I will try to do that here, but it's hard not to because we both established we're big fans of this franchise for the most part. Um, So it's upsetting to kind of come here with all these complaints. And I've given these movies lots of leeway with like things that are absolutely ridiculous that they do. Um, But like nine really pushes it to a point where I'm like, this is almost too much. Like, you know, I don't have any examples or things you could think of, but I, I just was like sitting in the theater. Like we, we may have gone too far at this point. <laughs> Here's how I would describe it. Uh, do you remember at the end of Vin Diesel and Jason Statham's fight at the end of Furious seven, when Vin Diesel says the street always wins <laughs> stomps on a parking garage and the garage crumbles to the ground and uh-huh. crushes well, supposedly crushes Deckard Shaw. Right. This movie, the action scene is just that moment over and over and over again. And that like, I thought it was the most fucking badass thing in the world at the end of Furious 7 when he does that. Like, it was like technically a jump the shark moment. It's physically impossible for any kind of human being of any physical ability level. (laughs) But it was like the movie had earned it by that point because the movie was so intense, so thrilling and when it, it it was just like the intensity burst at that moment. And I just wanted to jump up and cheer in the theater when he does that. But this movie is just that moment over and over and over again. It's constantly been diesel stomping in a parking garage. Um, <laughs> you and I and Mike Scott had a conversation recently on cobwebs about how we don't as much consider superhero movies, action movies, even though they technically are action movies because they're packed full of action. But it feels like a different kind of action. It's not people fighting people. It's it's CGI. It's superpowered beings throwing each other through buildings and stuff like that. And that's what this movie is. Like, the human body has lost all meaning. And I realized <laughs> that, like, any action movie you watch, human beings do things they can't actually do. If you watch the original Die Hard, which is a pretty grounded action movie, John McClane is still doing a lot of things that the human body cannot actually take. So that's that's fine. I understand that's a part of the genre, but this is way beyond like people jump out of cars that are going hundred miles an hour, fall onto other cars, bounce off of them and then tumble onto the highway and then grab onto another car. Like it's that kind of stuff. And it's, they're the Hulk. Like every person in this movie is the incredible Hulk. And it's, it's lame. Like it's not, it's not near as fun or exciting. Like it just feels like CGI people bouncing around. And that's kind of how the action scenes feel in this movie. Yeah, I mean, when nothing really has any weight or any consequence to anyone, it's like that kind of takes the stakes out of it. If if I can watch Vin Diesel and John Cena fall off of like a building onto the top of a car from very high, like I don't know how high up they were, but like 20, 30 feet, maybe more in the air and fall and be completely fine. I mean, I, I like it's so funny to complain about it now because I think a lot of people have thought it's been ridiculous for a long time, but like. Maybe it's like the tone of the whole thing or something just feels like I'm almost to the point where I can't accept it anymore. <laughs> like I, there's a part where like uh, John Cena picks Diesel, Vin Diesel up and like by his legs and like rams his head through like a like a door opening and the door opening just smashes. And it's just like and he's fine. Like so it's like I, I don't know how anyone expects us to be 
ever think anyone's in danger of anything because they survive everything <laughs> like without even a broken arm or a scratch or like anything it's it's crazy <laughs> my favorite is when vin diesel literally turns himself into an old testament biblical hero he is fucking samson and he destroys the the pillars of the philistines or whatever i know you don't know the bible <laughs> as much as i do i know more about the bible than i wish i did honestly but it like vin diesel literally turns himself into samson to destroy like an army and uh and he survives. He's fine because Letty <laughs> jumps in after him. So yeah, it's, it's oh, that's, true love wins. Okay, we got to get into this part. <laughs> because this is when I was sitting in the theater going, okay, I think this franchise officially has just gone way too far. Like we're past the point of saving it. Um, even before we got to space, this is the part where I was like, what are we doing here? Um, so you're talking about the part where Vin Diesel, like with just himself with two arms, like pushes back like 12 guys, right? But then yeah. falls into some water from a very high distance. And I'm like, well, that won't hurt him. But then... He's drowning and has like a near death vision quest. Is that? (laughs) And we were just talking uh, about Steven Seagal in On Deadly Ground and how much that movie is like an ego trip, like out of control. He goes on a vision quest in that movie. Uh, I think he's near death when he does it. And I was thinking of On Deadly Ground when Vin Diesel goes on his like near death vision quest. And I was like, oh, that's what this has become. This is just like the Vin Diesel total ego show and it's like not even about the team anymore it's like it's just all about dom and you know everything about him and it's like it's not that interesting ben like nobody cares that much about you and your brother and all this stuff and uh yeah that's the moment where i was just like oh my god what what is i I was like laughing but i don't want to be laughing like i have that's important too I think up till now i really didn't watch these in any kind of like ironic hipster way i don't try to watch things like that. I don't think I'm like that. But this one, I kind of felt bad because there was a lot of stuff in F9 that I was like laughing at because it just was like too over the top. (laughs) There is a a moment in the movie where John, well, one of many moments, but one in particular (laughs) where John Cena is making a very serious face. Mm-hmm. And my audience burst into laughter and I could not blame them. I was not mad. I was like, I don't blame you like this grimacing john cena john cena's a whole conversation is yeah uh i think and one more thing i'll mention because during vin diesel's like vision quest i think he has a flashback then that sent me into like an uncontrollable fit of laughter in the theater <laughs> because uh it was like okay i think so it's like a flashback to him and little john cena his brother and their dad in their garage working on the famous uh 1970 charger uh and this to me is like I couldn't believe they even did this because it was so like this seemed like it was at a parody point because um, his dad like looks at him, tells little Dom. He's like, he's, <laughs> he's like, if you take care of a 1970s charger, it'll run 100 years. And then I paraphrase. He was like, you know what else will take care of last forever? You can take care of it. Family. And I was like, oh, my God, I was like, this can't be happening. This is like I'm watching an SNL sketch about Fast and Furious that he includes like that's the whole franchise in a nutshell. It's like cars and family and it's like the way that the line is said and delivered is like so serious about like he just gonna it doesn't even sound natural it's like yeah charge will last 100 years if you take care of it just like family and it's like oh my god <laughs> i lost it i couldn't believe that i just heard that in this movie and that's the kind of stuff we're talking about it's like they just know like too much it just it's like i feel like someone wrote that 
who <laughs> who is like, oh, this whole series is a joke, and I'm just gonna put stupid stuff in here like this. Maybe I'm wrong, but I I don't know. It just feels like things have gone off the rails at this point. <laughs> I'll be honest, that family line, that that family shit works on me. Like, <laughs> it didn't bother me. It works I, I me most of the wanna... time, but th- that was so, like, like over the head. Like, it just, like, with the charger and the cars and the family, it was just, like, all in one sentence. They just got it all right in there. <laughs> I do want to piggyback off what you said and make it, like, very clear that, like, I truly do not watch these movies, ironically. I am not a person to watch them as like, it's so ridiculous. Look how dumb it is. It's just so much fun. <laughs> I'm really not like, I care so much about this franchise emotionally. It's almost a little bit embarrassing. Like, <laughs> I don't just cry during Furious 7. Like, I cry at the end of Fast Five. Like, I am I am a big mark for, like, brotherhood stuff. Like, I will tear up at moments of Revenge of the Sith between Obi-Wan and Anakin, and I will tear up during Dom and Brian moments, and that's really, like, this franchise is missing the presence of Paul Walker, but I just love that brotherhood shit, and that's, you know, that has exited, because you're right, it is the Vin Diesel ego trip. It doesn't bother me as much as, like, with Steven Seagal, because I like Vin Diesel as a person, and I think he seems like a sweet guy, and um, it annoys me when I feel like every, anytime Vin Diesel says anything that like suggests that he believes that people really, really care about this franchise, people make fun of him for it. And I'm I'm tired of it because people do care about this franchise. I mean, Diesel's not crazy. Like he knows that this is very, very popular. Um, I care. I really care about this franchise. But yeah, you're right. It's it's really winky. The space stuff. OK, watching okay. the space stuff. Let's get into this <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> I uh, wasn't upset about it. And some of it is kind of funny. Like it, it's, it, it's very funny. They drive a Pontiac Fiero into space. Like it's funny, <laughs> but it is internet meme fan service. And I do not like internet meme fan service at all. And that's completely what it is. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's basically my issue with it. And it's like one of those things where it's like, we all joked about it for years. Like, Oh, how, how funny they went to space. And it's like when it actually happened, I kind of thought, oh, we should have done this. <laughs> like the minute that, that we're actually going to do it, I'm like, oh, no, I don't want this. I joked about it. I don't really want you to do it. And they did it. And it, yeah, I just was like, oh, no, we've we've gone way too far. Like this is it's the monsters out of control at this point. Like it's like they've given in to like Internet memes. And yeah, I really kind of thought I would want that space thing, but just not. I didn't. When it happened, I was like, I did not want this. I did not want this to happen. <laughs> The the big problem is it's just a systematic problem with the franchise for me. And that like, I don't really like that. It's become a super spy franchise. I like that. This is a franchise about criminals, like really lovable criminals who often use their crime to stick it to bad people. That's what I like about it. I love in fast five when they're stealing millions of dollars from a politically powerful drug Lord and sticking it to him. And they're going to steal those millions of dollars and live off of that forever. And it's going to be awesome. Like I love all that stuff, but now that they work for the government and Mr. Nobody, and it's just not the same. Like I want the fast and furious crew to be rebels i feel like that's kind of what this franchise is should be about that's what it always has been about and so it's, it's just a very systematic problem with this franchise for me um i don't like mr nobody at all i will just say that <laughs> it, it, it kills me to say that because i love kurt russell so much like one of my all-time favorite actors um but yeah mr nobody is kind of it's kind of, it was funny we showed up and i thought we were done with him completely so when he popped up in this i was like oh no mr nobody it's like when it's charlie staring great actor i i and when she pops up i'm like oh god I, how often am i saying get get charlie saying out of this movie but i want her out of this movie so bad 
She like, is death to this franchise. It's crazy. Like, I don't, I, it's, that I, to, to me to say I don't want Charlie Theron and Kurt Russell in a movie is like, it's, it's what's, crazy. What's going Charlie on? Charlie Theron is the star of maybe the best action movie of the last decade, which is Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> Surprising come up on our 24 hour action fest. You just mentioned that movie. It was like, oh yeah, we didn't pr- program that. Um, yeah, that's why, I mean, just that and a bunch of other stuff. I like Atomic Blonde a lot. I mean, there's, She's great at a lot of things, but this movie is not it. This is not the movie she's good in. No, and I like, hate Cypher. And did you hear that they're planning a spinoff with her? She, no. Why? It's the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. Oh, worst idea. That is that is the worst idea I've ever heard. Oh, my God. Um, wow. I've, I've taken aback by that. <laughs> like, what? Because I heard they were planning to do like a young Dom spinoff. Is that a thing I heard? Like. Like a prequel, um, or they I, asked the young Dom actor if he would like, like it was just like reporters asked him if he would be interested, and he was like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah, that would be cool." And oh, I think that okay. <laughs> so it's one of those like we got this covered um, type. Yeah, news I stories think where I think so. <laughs> I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but I think so. I hope you're right because I don't want that either. <laughs> like I, I got, know, I will say I like that actor. I thought he was very good. That, listen, I will, I will say that guy did good, and he, I was like, wow, good job casting young Vin Diesel because, um, I thought they did a really good job, and but I just didn't like. There was like too much flashback stuff for me in this movie. Like, wait, just going back to that well, way too many times. But like, I thought he did a good job with what he was given to do, but I just didn't, I didn't need that much of it, honestly. <laughs> like, I was good. The problem stuff. with the flashback stuff for me is it's so tonally at odds with the rest of the movie. Like the flashback stuff is so dramatic, like mm-hmm. really, really dramatic. And the rest of the movie really isn't. Uh, so that's a problem. Yeah. I did. I like the <laughs> casting of the young actors. I like that they kind of tried to make them the, the film look kind of like a 70s movie and those flashbacks. I, I was almost shocked that Michael Rooker hadn't been in the franchise yet. When he shows up, <laughs> I was like, oh, of course, Michael Rooker is in this. Like, that's a perfect fit. <laughs> I was surprised because I'm like, I was like, is this a guy who just looks or reminds me of Michael Rooker? Like, oh, it's actually Michael Rooker. Because <laughs> it kind of seemed at first like. A kind of a throwaway part. And I was like, they got Michael Worker to do this, but then kind of more builds onto it. But yeah. um, at first I was like, why did he come in for this small, small part? But um, I mean, I'm not upset to see him show up in things either. And he doesn't do anything to hurt the movie. Like Charlize Theron is cypher. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but can uh, I tell you my main criticism though with the flashbacks? Yeah, I'm curious. Okay. <laughs> why, if your dad is a NASCAR driver and he dies in a crash, why would your first assumption be, Oh, my 14-year-old little brother probably specifically purposefully murdered him when he was working on the car. Why would you assume that? He just assumes that. He's just like, oh, you were the last one who looked under the hood. You probably killed him on purpose. That's And never even gives him a chance to explain. He's just like, if you okay, we're going to race now. If you lose this race, you drive away forever. And, of course, he does lose, so he drives away. And uh, and then Vin Diesel discovers, oh, no, I was wrong. Of course you were wrong. <laughs> this is your 14-year-old brother. You think he killed your dad on purpose? No. I, yeah, that was ridiculous. I think you, yeah, <laughs> bring us back to that. Um, he's hot-headed, man. Dom will get he's upset. It's like, I don't know. Um, I, well, what was I going to say about that? I mean, there's so many things I feel like I'm thinking of. Um, oh, God. Uh, well, sorry. I, I'm going to get back to John Cena because now I'm thinking of John Cena. and. Yeah. I think we both agreed we like John Cena a lot and some like blockers. Uh, but yes. I feel like in this, when he has to play like Mr. Serious, I don't think that's his strong suit at all. <laughs> like, so I didn't like him for like the most majority of this movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm in total agreement. Uh, after I watched the movie, I wanted to see if if he was capable of being good in an action movie. So I watched 12 Rounds. I really did not like 12 Rounds. I really did not like him in it. So I and then I actually just the other night, not because of this podcast, because I was very tired and it's a comfort movie. I did rewatch Blockers and uh, I think he's fantastic in Blockers. And I think he is a comedian that looks like an action star. And he may look like an action star, but he is not. He has no gravitas to him. He's not great in action scenes. He's not, I don't think, very good with the physicality of it. Um, but he's a very funny person. So you just put him in a comedy and he's great. But uh, I, I just don't think he's an action star. I, I don't think it works. <laughs> I think he could do something if they would let him, like, lighten up a bit. Like, if he was more Maybe. like a fun action star. Like, I'm trying to think of an example of, like, just somebody, he just needs to be, like, let him lighten up because he's so like deadly serious for like most of the movie. Like I feel he's just scowling and like, uh, you know, just trying to be so, so serious. And it's like, it's just not working. I feel like if they just, if he was like on the crew from the beginning as like a good guy and was like, kind of like kind of jokey, but not like a comedian, I, I guess like have a little bit of fun smile every once in a while. <laughs> He'd probably be in better shape, but just like, Making him play serious the whole movie is is not playing to his strong suits, I feel like. I will say, as far as giving points for effort, I like that he takes the franchise seriously because The Rock doesn't. And I think that's been a problem. Like, I think that was especially a problem in 8 that, like, Vin Diesel takes this franchise very seriously and The Rock doesn't really seem to give a shit. So The Rock is just kind of winking at the audience and no one else is. And that's a problem. So I, I like that John Cena does try to take it seriously. I just don't think he does a good job at it. Um, but I think it's very clear he's going to be in the next movie. I mean, I oh, would bet yeah. anything on it. And, you know, I hope he's better. I will say that I don't I'm not saying I want a Paul Walker replacement, but I think we do. The cast needs a burst of energy. It needs somebody to bring more charm. And this character could have been that. And I don't think John Cena was the guy. But maybe if maybe if he can bring some real charm and levity to the next movie now that, you know, he's probably going to be a good guy, um, you know, I would be very happy to see it. I'm rooting for that. Yeah, I I, I think like I, I want someone to be serious, but it's funny I say that. But then like Dom's like the serious one. I get kind of tired of his stuff. But then everything else is like too jokey, too over the top. Like, I, I don't want to compare everything to like five, but I feel like the thing with five that makes that one so good is it still has like. It's still very fun, but it still has this like there's stakes in that movie. There's like a kind of a grittiness still. I feel like there's no like grittiness in this movie. It's just very like um, like you said earlier, it's like nothing has any impact. People bounce around like ping pong balls. Like, yep. <laughs> you know, it's like there's no real stakes. I feel like like it's another friggin mcguffin thing they're chasing around which i told you before the podcast i can remember the name of i'd look it up it's called aries by the way i didn't remember that until i looked it up <laughs> like it this, should be called the wayfinder it sh it should be <laughs> uh which Holy is so funny fucking mcguffins i um <laughs> like it's just this franchise has a problem with these like things that they have to chase around that we don't care about like um and it's funny i was gonna bring this up i the the whole like aries thing is like the idea is like these two pieces of a like a ball basically that controls all the world satellites is that right is that what it does you know but, it's funny i uh when i re i thought during the movie that i should be able to understand a fast and furious movie and i felt confused by the plot 
But before we hopped on, I read the Wikipedia summary and I realized, oh, no, I got all this. It's just not very much happens in the movie. So right. I almost felt like maybe I don't understand what's happening. But no, it's just like really not much happens in this movie. Yeah, there's a MacGuffin and they need to get it. Yeah. And it's funny. Yeah, because then there's the other part of that. So it's like they got to chase around both parts of this ball to put to get two halves. And there's a we find out this is ridiculous. We find out there's a girl uh, who Han has been protecting uh, who has like uh, blood that has like her parents DNA or wait, <laughs> like her blood is like the key to work the thing. And this is so funny because I was sitting there thinking like, Hey, I put this stupid idea in a script when I was 13 years old, that, wrote, that, that there was like a kid who's like blood was the key to something because both his parents were scientists and they like safeguarded the secret in their kid. Like, in, cause he had, you know, both their, their DNA, obviously, or their, you know, their, and I was like, hey, I used a stupid idea like 20 years ago. <laughs> also, maybe don't make your child the key to the world's greatest. Yeah, weapon. I thought maybe about that years, bad call. Yeah. Years later, I thought I was like, oh, that's a bad idea because you really put your kid in danger and finds out because then they're going to try to grab your kid. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this also a bad idea in this movie because then your kid's like a target. Um, oh, boy. Do you want to get into the Han stuff at all? Because I was so excited. Yeah. And I thought this movie kind of wastes Han, which is. How? So like, bad. So, so bad. Okay. So for me, the Han uh, retcon is way dumber than space. It's oh my God. so massively stupid. It is unbelievable. I'm like, okay, listen, listen, franchise. I've got on with a lot of bullshit, but this is like, <laughs> you're really pushing it now. Like, apparently like super crazy evil Jason Statham as he is in Furious 7. I realize not in other ones, but in Furious right. 7, he was working for Mr. Nobody all the time. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sure, sure, movie, whatever. I feel bad because it's almost to the point where I don't care anymore. So I'm like, on one hand, I'm outraged at the bullshit. On the other hand, I'm like, whatever, just do whatever. You know, it's like, do whatever you want, movie. I don't care anymore. <laughs> like, because, yeah, they've changed that Han thing up like three times now with what happened. Like, um, <laughs> they're just going to keep going back to it. And Han's like a secret agent. That's the thing I don't get, too. <laughs> it's like, why these, like, powerful people government people keep recruiting these like street racers to do these things these like world saving things and they keep getting people like han and dom and it's like beyond we don't know they have any skills besides driving so it's like, <laughs> like what I, it, it's just crazy like that they're like we got to get these specific people i the toretto bloodline stuff blew my mind because <laughs> because it's like Okay, Dom already enough. Every time Don't you know say the Toretto bloodline, it's hilarious. It's so <laughs> funny. It's like the Skywalker bloodline or something in Rise of Skywalker. Every time I say Toretto bloodline, a piece of me dies. <laughs> um, because they act like it's some mythical line of like warriors or something. They're like, if I couldn't get Dom, I got the next best thing. Or no, oh God. Is this how... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. It's okay. Did he want John Cena and then he got Dom or was it vice versa? I don't remember now. Like Mr. Uh, no, oh, Mr. Mr. Nobody? Nobody? Yeah. I'm sorry to tell you, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, wanted, I feel yeah. bad I didn't rewatch this movie, but I didn't want to go to the theater and spend three hours sitting in there watching well, this again. That's how I felt, too. I really thought, I mean, it was a holiday weekend, so I was very busy. And uh, I was, I really thought about going to see it again because I'm like, shit, I'm not going to remember some like little key points, but does it really matter? Is it <laughs> forever purges to watch? Come on. Yeah. It's <laughs> an hour shorter. I yeah, that's true. I think I enjoyed it more than this, too. But this is the kind of movie I should say, too. Like, I had fun watching it. I mean, I was laughing at some of the ridiculous things. I was kind of rolling my eyes at some things. Um, 
but I had fun for the most part. Then I left and like you start talking about things and you're like, oh, this was like exceptionally stupid, <laughs> like another level of of just like ridiculousness that I've they've never really fully reached before. But now they've like totally jumped there, like space thing, the Han retcon death, the, the Dom uh, <laughs> the dream death dream, <laughs> like, the Toretto bloodline, the Toretto bloodline. <laughs> God, Um when you start talking about it, you're like, wait, so blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's just so much. I So it's like I had fun watching it. As soon as I leave and talk about it more, I think I start to like it less and less. Oh, yeah. Can we can we talk about good things, though? Because I have good things. That's OK. Sure. We haven't. I hate to be so negative. So let's go to some good things. So. I thought the magnet thing was pretty cool. I thought like I don't like it when the characters are bouncing around like ping pong balls and they're all a bunch of mini incredible hulks. But when the car when there's when it's just a car chase and they're using the giant magnet, I thought that was pretty rad. And especially when like how they caught uh, Jacob is by turning the magnet all the way up and it it brings his car through a building and crashes into the truck. <laughs> that was pretty rad. So I uh, I like the magnet. I was down with the magnet thing. I thought that was a fun idea for a franchise that has done so much. It's like, how do they keep coming up with this stuff? But like the whole magnet thing that was kind of fun, even though, again, super, super ridiculous because it's pulling things that like, you know, from like a block away or through a building. Um, but yo, it was, a, it was a fun set piece. I mean, that was probably like the thing I remember most. I, it's so funny because they, I feel like that near the beginning set piece, or is it near the beginning where, where they're kind of in, Oh God, what country? <laughs> like South America, where basically the thing where Vin Diesel drives his car, car chase in the jungle, car chase in the jungle, and like he does a thing that I saw in the trailer where it's like he like goes off a cliff and like hooks one tire onto like this steel cable and swings around, and um, I was like that. It wasn't as I was like okay, whatever. And but the, like the the magnets thing was fun, and uh, um, I thought it was kind of actually a funny bit with like Ramsey not being able to drive. And then kind of be yeah. stuck driving like not bad Ramsey moments. Yeah, <laughs> I, I might be coming around to Ramsey after kind of thinking, like, why is Ramsey still here? But, um, you know, it, it was nice that she did something, you know, she couldn't do it well, which actually also was refreshing that somebody couldn't do something. Oh, I know what I want to talk about. <laughs> it just was like, what are we doing? Like, OK, so every movie feels like everyone has progressively gotten more and more became more and more of a super spy, like everybody on the team. Mm -hmm. Um, but when, when did Tej learn to fight so well? Because at one point he's in like a back of this truck, like, um, and he's kicking a guy's ass. And I'm like, when is Tej like a fighter? When did he like learn to fight? And then Mia's kicking people's ass. Like, I'm like, I mean, that's fine that they are, but I just don't understand the progression here. <laughs> you know, maybe they trained in between movies, but like in their characters, I mean, but I mean, it's kind of a silly complaint amongst all these other complaints, but I was kind of like, oh my God, now everyone's good at fighting too. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, oh. yeah, I see what you're saying. I think that's something I just really don't care about to me. Like they're characters in an action movie. So sure they can fight, you know, that just makes sense. <laughs> I, I guess I just think it's so funny. I can't stop thinking about like where they came from, like, you know, ludicrous like, yeah. car shop. And like, I was already like the hacker thing was weird at first, but I bought into it. Um, and, uh, you know, that was going to make him a good fighter too. I'm like, Oh my God, can he, he knows like, <laughs> you know, like he can't do everything. So, um, and then I thought Mia, I was like, well, Mia's just been at home, like raising these kids. Right. I guess she's training her spare time. I don't know, but <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's fine. It's kind of like another ridiculous thing where, Everybody is just like a, a superhero. Like you said, they're all Avengers, basically. 
You know, speaking of Mia, I will say she's my next positive about the movie. I think Jordana Brewster is my standout cast member of the movie. I thought she's really great. I think Jordana Brewster has grown into a really good actress and she doesn't really get the credit for that. Like I saw her in a, a year or two ago in a, uh, Jay Barry, Jay Baruchel directed indie horror movie called Random Acts of Violence, and she's really great in that. I thought she was very charming in this movie. Probably one of the only characters that is really charming and has a good energy. And it it's kind of too bad because anytime she so shows up in this franchise, it always like you can't help but ask that like, okay, well, why is Brian not here? Because yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> she explains that he's basically babysitting the kids and it's like Brian would not be babysitting the kids. That's not the character. <laughs> and I, I, you know, obviously I know why Brian isn't here, but it makes it, it makes it less believable when Mia shows up. But on the other hand, I really like Mia and I want her in these movies. So it's kind of a, it's a tough thing. Yeah. And now I go back complaining about her fighting because I just, because I did like her too. And I was like, Oh good. They gave you stuff to do. Like, because you don't just sit around. I think it's six where I feel like she just kind of sits around and like answers the phone a lot. Maybe it's seven. I can't remember. Um, she doesn't really do anything, but, uh, uh, so that, I mean, that was fine. But, uh, I just, it was like, where has she been doing? And it is tough. Like you said, they got to keep explaining away Paul Walker, uh, you know, where Brian is. And it's like, I was thinking like, his character, I'm like, he's not going to let his wife just go off and go on this dangerous mission. And he's not going to either go with her or go in her place or yeah, they're you know, not going to hire a babysitter. <laughs> they can hire the rock. He could babysit their kids. <laughs> like, Perfect. He'll take them to his daughter's soccer team. There you go. <laughs> and then you can write the rock out without and Vin Diesel going to cross paths. They don't <laughs> get in a pissing contest. It's like, oh, yeah, Hobbs is uh, looking after the hill. They'll be safe with him, which you would believe you're like, oh. Okay, their kids are safe with the rock. It's it's fine. Um, but I we all understand why they have to do that kind of thing, and it just it sucks. Um, but it's you know it's kind of you hear it and you're like, I, I it's better I guess than I was really worried at the end of the movie that they were going to try to do a thing where they like CGI'd his face on like one of his brother's bodies or something. I'm like I don't I don't think I want to see that. I mean they had to do it in seven to kind of finish the movie up, but like I'm not really in favor of bringing him back in that way. You know what I mean? Like the character into the franchise. No, no, I'm not either. I don't, I'm never in favor of CGI people. I don't like CGI people. I'm always in favor of recasting. I'm not saying I want them to recast Brian, by the way. I'm just saying that like whenever movies like say Rogue One, they CGI Peter Cushing. Um, as much as I love to see a likeness of Peter Cushing, I would way rather you cast a new actor. Like I can believe that that's also Grand Moff Tarkin. That's fine. I know how movies work. <laughs> yeah that is true I, I mean i'm kind of more i think your idea earlier of like if they could just find somebody to kind of to to kind of fill that role or like because i feel like they're missing some in-between person between dom and like the rest of the team and i mostly think of like tyrese and i have Ludacris. it you have it <laughs> i do i i came on here prepared for this because i thought of it and i was like this is the way to save the fast and furious franchise oh boy so i'm not saying like i'm not saying i want a paul walker replacement but i'm saying i think we need a younger energy we need somebody to come in with a young cool charm i want somebody to be cast as like a young hotshot driver who like dom takes under his wing i want zach efron I think he would be the perfect addition to this franchise i think he would bring so much fun and charm to it i I think that's the way to go. And I want him to get an action franchise because he's he's funny in comedies, but I think he's capable of so much more. And I want him in, to get a, a franchise. So I I think he'd be great in this. 
It's a good idea. I like that idea. <laughs> like, I can't believe what a fan of Zac Efron I've become. Like, because, yeah. <laughs> like, I, well, how old was I when High School Musical came out? Probably, like, late high school or, like, I was, it was not cool. I was like, oh, Zac Efron's lame, you know, but now it's like, I see him and stuff. And I'm like, I like Zac Efron. He's, he would fit well. Just don't do the thing. And I think I'm, I think I'm thinking of like Adam Risky said this, where he really hated when they brought in, um, uh, oh God, Scott Eastwood, because they really made him too much like Paul Walker. Like he was dressing, like dressing like him in a blue car, I believe. It's like, if you're going to bring somebody in who, kind of fills the Paul Walker slot, I guess. Don't make him like like Paul Walker. Don't dress him like him. Don't give him his car. Um, you know, make him his own person. But we need somebody to like bridge this gap. I, it's crazy. Going back, I did not realize how important Paul Walker was to this franchise because he's like the the heart and soul, the humanity of the whole thing. Like without him, it's like there's no one to like tether Vin Diesel is what it feels like. Like he's so important to the franchise. And when he's not there, it's like things just fly off in any direction. Like he's like the glue that holds the, the friend group together is what it feels like. No, he, he totally is. And that was abundantly clear to me when I like, you know, watched when I went, I went through the series not long ago. Uh, and it was the first time I had like gone through the entire series, like I mentioned before. And yeah, it's very, very clear to me that Paul Walker is the heart and soul um, I really like Vin Diesel in the franchise. I really do. I'm not here to bag on Vin Diesel, but I like him as a partner with Paul Walker. And I discovered that like, I'm not as interested in him alone mm -hmm. and I'll take Paul Walker alone. Cause like, I love too fast, too furious. So, so like I'll take fast and furious without Vin Diesel. That's okay. But fast and furious without Paul Walker, it doesn't work as well. I agree hundred percent. I, it's <laughs> something, something is missing there. Um, I think it's because, and I like Vin Diesel for the most part too, but I think his, I don't know, he like, he gets too into him, his own myth, if that may, like he's just too, and I feel like Paul Walker was the kind of guy, and maybe it was behind the scenes too, I don't know, I feel like this in the movies that he's like, he kind of brings him back to reality a little bit, if that makes sense, and he doesn't have that anymore. So I feel like, like I said, with the whole like vision quest, that type of stuff happens when, there's no Paul Walker around. And if I remember, I heard this right, that Paul Walker was also the guy who was always like pushing and reminding Vin Diesel, like, hey, this is a franchise about cars. We should probably have a race or something <laughs> like, um, you know, every once in a while. So another part of the whole thing. But yeah, he just they, he's he's irreplaceable. And I, I wish they could find somebody to re-energize the franchise who's not like the Paul Walker substitute, but just find somebody who could like give them a little boost or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I, I don't want anybody to mis mishear me. I don't want Zach Efron to be a Paul Walker substitute. I think he's a different enough actor from Paul Walker, and he's already established what his persona is, whereas Scott Eastwood has not. Um, I, I really strongly dislike Scott Eastwood. Um, I really <laughs> don't like him in Fate of the Furious. I think it was very smart of Guy Ritchie to capitalize on how unlikable he is in wrath of man it was like this guy sucks let's make him the biggest asshole in the world <laughs> and uh and it's just the first time scott eastwood was good in a movie i think he's really good in wrath i was of man. gonna say that was the first time i've enjoyed him as an actor was it wrath of man <laughs> i don't think i even recognized him until like halfway through the movie and i was like oh shit it's scott eastwood and yeah by the end i was like is he a good actor is he just like perfectly cast for this part you know i'm like um because i thought he yeah i thought he was really good in that movie it's the first time i ever thought that about the guy <laughs> so 
Yeah, yeah. I get somebody else in here. Although I guess the plan now is to wrap this up with like a part ten, but a part like a like a you know part one and two or something. So it's like fast ten, oh, oh, part okay. one, part two is what I because I thought it'd be like fast ten, fast eleven, um, or whatever they're gonna call them. Who knows what ridiculous thing they'll call them? But uh, now I thought I heard that it's gonna be a fast ten, part one, part two thing. So I guess they're about to wrap it up. But I yeah, who knows? I they probably will just push it till. They run out of, you know, till the money comes stops coming back. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I do know this cast can't keep going like this because, like I said, this is the first movie where I felt like they were getting old, and it's not the energy's not there anymore. Um, but are they going to Tokyo Drift this thing? We're going to get a new young cast. I don't know. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. That's a good point. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think of other things I liked in the movie because I feel bad because I feel like I've kind of uh, cracked on it most of the time. <laughs> but um, I just had so many things that I was thinking about when I left the theater that I was like, huh, well, that was, you know, it's a weird choice. And, you know, just all this stuff. But like, all I can say is I had fun in the theater watching it. I just have a lot of things that I wish were better. And that's probably my expectations were a little high. Like I said, for Justin Lin coming back and just thought they were in a really course correct because they were in a weird spot after seven with eight, like trying to figure things out and like, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of gave them I didn't like it that much, but I gave them some leeway. I was like, well, they're in a tough spot they're trying to figure things out. Um, but this also kind of feels like they're just kind of place setting for the last two installments for this movie. It kind of feels like we're just kind of setting up for like the big finale in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I felt like this is the first Fast and Furious movie where the climax didn't feel like a climax. When we got yeah. to the end, I was like, oh, that OK, like we're wrapped <laughs> up now. All right. And I've never felt like that in a Fast and Furious movie before. Yeah, I felt the same way. I was like, oh, usually they really come bring it home with the climax. But um, yeah, that so it's just it's just disappointing for a movie that I was really looking forward to, I think, is part of the problem as well. But uh, I mean, I still like this cast. I mean, for the most part, even if they seem tired or some of the stuff doesn't work, I feel like there's a lot of problems at the script level because I, I didn't mention this the whole time we've been talking that they lost that guy, Chris Morgan, I believe his name is, who's written every movie from like two or three until eight. Um, okay. And I, it's funny because I guess he got it better than anybody. <laughs> like they made fun of these movies, but I think he was pretty important uh, writing the scripts for these because something does did feel like off and different this time, even a different way than eight. It was like, yeah, like they let like the wrong cooks in the kitchen. I feel like with the script for this movie, I feel like they let the wrong guys in um, to write this thing and they're too much winking stuff. There's just too much. I mean, just too much ridiculous stuff, which I know sounds like an insane complaint for a movie where like, I, you know, it's funny earlier, you brought up that part in seven with with Dom, like stomping the parking garage. And um, I was thinking the real tipping point rewatching these, like the real point where it's like this is so far beyond reality is the part in six where uh, they're on like the two bridges and they have a tank come out. And Letty goes flying off the tank and Dom, oh, yeah. and Dom slams his car and then catches her. They both fly through the air. He catches her. They land in a car. They're both totally fine. I feel like looking at that again, I was like, this might be the moment where things like really, really got like too ridiculous. And like and I like six a lot. But yeah, that moment is like a different level. I really felt like watching them straight through. I was like. Yeah, this might be the exact moment where, where things get too crazy. <laughs> Except, I, in my opinion, that moment rules. I love Listen, that moment. <laughs> I love it. But it is, it is like, it is ridiculous, like on a different level than like, I think anything else we'd seen at that point. And then Seven, of course, you get the, the car jump from like tower to tower in Dubai, which is like another one of those moments where you're like, 
this is insane. Like, I mean, and I like all this stuff. I had a, I used to have a blast watching these movies and I still had fun watching nine, just not as much fun as I would have hoped I would have is the problem. The thing is like a lot of other ridiculous moments, like I accept the reality of the movie, like in, like in F six, you know, it's really no more ridiculous than in the dark night when uh, Batman jumps after Rachel, when the Joker drops him out of a window and he falls on, on his back onto a car and it's like a 20 story building. Um, and he's, and he's fine. You know, it's, it's really no more ridiculous than Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, which everybody holds up as the most realistic movie ever made. Um, so I, I can accept that. The thing with the car in Furious 7, you know, it is ridiculous, but I can accept that a car can do that. That like if you just drive it, if you just hit the pedal to the metal hard enough, you know, I'll take it like that's fine. But it's way, way worse in F9 where like, like I said, they're bouncing off of cars onto other cars and rolling around the highway. It's, it's way like they truly are the incredible Hulk. All of oh them. yeah. It's, it's gotten a lot worse. Don't like, I'm just saying like, I feel like that's like, if there was a graph, that's like the peak, the, the graph starts going up at like <laughs> around like six. And it's really like, it just keeps going and going and going. And I think we may have hit like peak at nine and I don't know where they go after this. Cause they did the space thing already. Um, They've done a bunch of other ridiculous stuff. I'm like, good Lord, what do they do in 10? Like, do they just, I can't even imagine what they would do in 10, you know, to wrap it up. I so. just really want them to be on the other side of the law. I want something to happen to where now uh, the spy organizations, the government and everything is after them. And now they have to be outlaws again. That's what I really want. Yeah, it is better when they're outlaws. That's for sure. <laughs> I agree with you on that. Um, yeah, I don't know. They really got to shake it up with 10, but I don't know what they're, what they're going to do. Um, it will be interesting. I will definitely see it. I'm not, I'm not like, Oh even, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I can't even think of one of these that I really don't. Well, I could actually hold on. I can think of one that I don't like, but we'll get into it. Cause I didn't even tell people at the beginning, we're going to, we were going to rank the franchise. Um, so I, do you have anything else on F9 before we do that? Or do you just want to, I do. And I'm sorry. I know you're wrapping up, but I have two really strong positives that I've okay. got to shout out. One, I love the Tokyo Drift guys. I was oh, yeah. so happy that they came <laughs> back and we've got Lucas Black as Sean. And I thought they were so much fun. Like, well, well I said, a lot of the cast is low on energy. Those guys are not. And that I love true. seeing them again. <laughs> they seem so happy to be there. Yeah. Like, they seem like thank God they asked us back. And it was funny because out loud in the theater, not too loud, but to myself, I was like a fist pump and like the Tokyo Drift boys. Like, I was like <laughs> my sister was like, who she hasn't seen Tokyo Drift. She was like, who are these guys? I'm like, I'll tell you after the movie. It's Tokyo Drift. You haven't seen that one. Um, I was like, just trust me. They're, they're great. Um, so I was excited to see them. It's a good point. Um, and they seemed like, yeah, energy. They seemed happy to be there. They were like, you know, yeah, they were fun. They were fun. I like that moment. <laughs> and then I will also say the final barbecue had a really good vibe to it uh the final barbecue in f8 is really feels kind of gross because jason statham is there and oh, scott yeah. eastwood is there and it just does <laughs> not feel like it, the family vibe is not present at Ooh. all uh -uh. <laughs> and the family vibe is there at the end of this movie it felt really really good i love seeing the tokyo drift guys there um i, I love I, I do love the final moment when uh when it's clear that brian is coming to the barbecue um i i, I love the final barbecue so i left the theater feeling a lot better in my heart than i felt at the end of fate yeah, I'm with you. And didn't and fate also didn't even end at the house, right? They were like a rooftop somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I love that house. I know they're back at the house that got blown up in seven. They're rebuilding it. I'm like, I like this. Uh, it's the right people. I yeah, I'm with uh, again. I think I'm quoting Adam Risky, but I remember he was he seemed like he was very upset 
that Shaw was invited to that barbecue. And I was with him. I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, you know, because at, at the time we thought, you know, he killed Han, which, of course, got retconned. Uh, but, you know, it was like, this is bullshit. He shouldn't be there. Um, uh, you know, it's just that the vibe felt wrong. This one felt right. And I did. I thought that they're surprisingly pretty good at handling the Paul Walker stuff. Like, I that's why I was worried they were going to show a guy get out of the car and show him. And I didn't want to see that. But I thought showing like his car drive up was a nice way to do it. He's coming. The seat's there. Um, I like that. I like that. Um, oh, and that just reminded me. The post-credit sequence with Han and Shaw. Do you have any thoughts on that? I found out about this post-credit sequence reading the Wikipedia summary oh. before we hopped on. <laughs> I did not stick around for it. Oh, okay. It was and it was like a mid. I can't remember how long it took, but I looked it up because I would have left too. But I was like, oh, there's a thing in the middle, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much to it. It's like uh, Shaw beating up a, a punching bag. I can't remember who's in the bag. I've already forgotten. I think it's somebody from one of the previous movies, but in the bag there. Oh, so I didn't tell you that. So he opens the punching bag. There's a guy in the bag. Oh, okay. (laughs) So he's beating up the bag and you're like, Oh, and then he, he unzips it. There's a man in there that he's beating up and I'm totally blanking. I feel like someone said it was, but you only see like a small part of his face. And I feel like it was somebody from a previous entry, but I couldn't think of who it was. And I'll have to look that up later. But, and then there's a knock at this door and then Han shows up and just cuts to black. They look at each other and it's like, what are they going to talk about? I don't know. Oh, but, shoot. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it was weird. And I, it's funny because I had thought that like Jason Satham and Rock were like cut off from this franchise now because they'd gone and made Hobbs and Shaw and Vin Diesel was not happy about that. So I was surprised to see him in a post credit scene even. I was like, oh, he's allowed back in. <laughs> so. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they handle it. You know, you know, like I said, I just rewatched Furious 7 and, and I think Jason Statham, uh, hashtag Wrath of Stathe, is so great in that movie as just such a ruthless son of a bitch that it mm-hmm. it makes me mad that they turned him into a hero because he's such a great villain in that movie. Right. I mean, that turn really makes no sense to, to have him like become like one of these good guys when he's like such a like stone cold badass and they like completely turn him. And I'm like, I have a really hard time buying that still, honestly. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. We'll see how it ends up. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, anything else? I, I, if you have one more point or not, I couldn't remember. Sorry. No, I just want to make sure I got all my positives out and uh, my short list is I, all out. So <laughs> I, I appreciate you bringing more positives because I feel kind of bad that I was negative and I, I don't hate the movie that much at all. Like I pretty sure I gave it like three stars in letterbox. Like, so it's definitely not something I hate. I would have, I would have gone to see it again in the theater, but I just didn't have time over the holiday weekend. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, it just, I don't know. I'm worried about the franchise, but I guess I shouldn't be that worried because they're going to finish up with the next ones anyway, allegedly. We'll see. So um, I just hope they finish strong. That's all I hope at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, man. So did you want to uh, I don't know, give your ranking of the franchise? I'm very, I'm very curious about this. Yeah. OK. So my number 10 is a movie that I technically I see now I gave a higher letterbox rating than another one, but it, it's absolutely gotten worse in my mind. The more I think about it, uh, it is Hobbs and Shaw. That is my least favorite, <laughs> which breaks my heart because I am a big fan of Jason Statham and the rock, like outside of the fast and furious franchise. Uh, I think the rock is great. And a buddy cop movie with the two of them sounds awesome. And, um, love Idris Elba, also a fan of Vanessa Kirby, but this movie is relentlessly obnoxious. Um, the banter between Statham and the rock is so grade school garbage. Like it's just terrible. Um, and it just doesn't, it's, it's not really a fast and furious movie. So ranking the franchise is definitely Mm -hmm. last. My number nine is the fate of furious, which I admit 
is the only one I didn't rewatch up to F9. Like I planned on it, but at the end, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. It's kind of an unpleasant movie. I don't really care for it. Uh, my number eight is F9. My number seven is Tokyo Drift, which now that we're in the seven, I'm at various degrees of huge fan of the movie. Mm-hmm. Tokyo Drift is pretty great. Um, it's just, you know, it doesn't have the core family. And I'm all about the core family with this franchise. Uh, my number six matches up with the entry. It is Fast and Furious 6, which is a really, really fun action movie. It just um, it doesn't have me in the heart as much as the top five do, I will say, even though I think the relationship between Dom and Letty is great. And I like them getting back together in this movie. OK, my number four and five are basically tied. And this is a really tough call to make. Uh, I'm going to put five as fast and furious, which is number four, which a lot of people hate. And I'm a big Mm -hmm. fan of it. I understand that it has a darker tone than a lot of them. And I think that's why people don't like it. But I think the darker tone was necessary because this is a movie that's bringing the family together. That was broken up the last time they were together, which was in the first movie. Um, and I like that it puts in the work to get Paul and well, to get Brian and Mia as a couple to get Brian and Dom as friends again. Um, Gal Gadot is a pretty great presence in the movie. I think it's I think it's really, really great. I'm a big fan of it. My number four is Too Fast, Too Furious, which is like pure bliss. I It seems like on Twitter, this movie is getting a resurgence, which I'm really happy about because it's just incredibly fun. Um, I love the relationship between Paul Walker and Tyrese. They, to me, feel like really realistic buddies, whereas like Paul Walker and Dom almost feel like soulmates, like they feel like a <laughs> mythical relationship uh whereas brian and and uh and 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 tyrese they're just really fun buddies it's fun watching them banter back and forth they're great in the movie uh my number three is the original the fast and the furious it's incredibly fun to this day i recognize it's dated but that's a feature for the of the movie for me i love it my number two is furious seven which i totally understand people putting lower i understand when people call it a mess it somewhat is because it had to be but i can't put a movie that I'm this emotional about much lower than this because I, the motion works perfectly for me. I, I love furious seven and my number one is fast five, which I maintain if you watch the movies in order quickly and you get to fast five, it's like the most satisfying movie you'll ever see in your entire life. Like it's like Avengers Endgame, force awakens level satisfying the way it brings everything together. Uh, I think is the perfect fast and furious movie. It's a five out of five movie for me. Okay, great. Yeah, I it's so funny. Like a couple of times I was like, oh, we're really matching up. And then you kind of switch directions on me. And I'm like, oh, that one's way higher, way lower for me. Um, but we're, we're I think we're pretty similar here. Um, okay, so I will do mine. We match up perfectly at the end because, yeah, my least favorite is definitely Hobbs and Shaw because I know it literally says like Fast and Furious presents, I think, Hobbs and Shaw, but does not really feel like a Fast and Furious movie to me. And I was so excited for that movie. I was like, oh, this could be like a modern tango and cash or something, you know, <laughs> with like Statham and the rock. I was like, I love both those guys. This could be so much fun. Um, yeah. Did not like it. It's super obnoxious. It, uh, man. Yeah. Did not care for that movie. <laughs> like couldn't believe how much I didn't like it. Um, and then like a pretty far distance from that is like fate of the furious, which I still don't love, but I'm sure I could rewatch anytime. Um, it just feels weird to me. It feels off. Like it's just not, yeah, not that great. Uh, any honestly, once we're past those two, we're all pretty good. I mean, like I, this is close too. I went next, I went Tokyo drift, uh, at eight 
Oh, um, wow. Then I, 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 I've barely seen I've seen Tokyo Drift, I think, twice in my whole life. And it wasn't uh, I didn't even see it when it came out. I saw it later because um, it feels so disconnected, even though they try to connect it more and more. Um, for a long time, it felt so disconnected from the franchise um, that I didn't really get into it. It could probably go up with things, but I still like it. Uh, then I put F9 after that at seven. Um, and this is where, I, okay, this is where I truly really like all these movies. So I feel bad even ranking this one this low because uh, Too Fast, Too Furious at six, which is a movie that I rewatched recently and was like, oh, this is so much better than I remember it being. <laughs> like, it's so much fun. I love the Paul Walker, Tyrese uh, partnership, like the friendship. Like, it does feel like a genuine friendship. Um, that movie got shit on so hard when it came out. Like, I don't know if you remember. Uh, like, I feel like just the, I, I maintain that if it was not called Too Fast, Too Furious with, with you, like, I feel like people wouldn't have made fun of it as much as they did. But it was like a running punchline. Just the title was like, oh, that's dumb. Too Fast, Too Furious. It's it one of no my thing. favorite titles in the <laughs> franchise. <laughs> I, I love it now. Yeah. I mean, at the time, it was like such a joke. I felt like and people were like, oh, Ben Diesel's not in it. Like, this is dumb. Um but I had so much fun with this time. It's like just a fun, brightly colored movie that I'm like, oh, yeah, there's so much more street racing in this movie, too. <laughs> like, um, uh, I'm also surprised they have not brought back. I know they brought Ava Mendez back for a quick thing at the end of Fast Five in the credits. Uh, and no Devin Aoki. Uh, I think Aoki. Um, surprised she hasn't come back yet from uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, because she's fun. Um, okay, so sorry. Number five. Uh Again, one that would have been almost at the bottom, but I rewatched it. I was like, oh, this is much better than I remembered. Uh, Fast and the Furious, uh, or Fast and Furious, the fourth one, uh, a movie I did not like for a long time. And I was like, oh, this is so crucial <laughs> to setting up five, six, and seven, too. Um, and it's much better than I remembered. It's it's good. Um, then I have the first one at number four, the Fast and the Furious. Um, then, it's, <laughs> so then it goes number three, Furious 7. And then my one and two, oh, my God. I flipped these back and forth between one and two multiple times and rewatching them. I finally landed on this. So number two, I have fast and furious six. Number one, I have fast five. Very much higher in fast and furious six. I know I, to me, fast and furious six at the time was like, Oh, this is everything I want in this franchise. Cause they had, they had all like the characters back. Cause even I like that. Letty finally came back like fully on board. Um, even though I think half the movie was trying to get her amnesia fixed, which is also ridiculous. But um, I felt like they were like at full strength with the team at that point. I think the only guys they lose from five are uh, the two guys who were in the fourth one. I can't I can't remember their names even. Um, the two brothers, the Spanish brothers. Yeah, they're in Fast Five. Oh, they and one of them comes yeah. back in F nine. We we didn't mention yet. Oh yeah. So I you you yeah that's right. And so yeah, they're in Fast Five too. But then you lose. I think you lose them in six. But everybody else is there. You get Letty back. Um, I thought it was just at the time that was like as big as I wanted it to go. And then, of course, it ballooned way bigger than six. But it's like uh, I still like six a lot. And yeah, I just think it's really fun. But I rewatching again. I was like, no, Fast Five is like the clear winner. I love they pack so much into the first like 30 minutes of that movie. And then you think, oh, God, we're only 30 minutes in of a two hour movie and they haven't gotten a team together yet. I love all, I love like a getting the team together for a heist thing, like so much. Yeah. <laughs> and going into Fast Five Blind, especially, I hadn't seen a trailer. So when that was happening, I was like, oh shit, they're just recruiting everybody from old Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> and it like blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, everybody's back. And um, then to set up the heist and go through all that stuff. And they have like some great action sequences that still feel like they are grounded in some sort of reality. There's a great like, 
um, attack on their little like motorcade and like the favela. It's actually pretty intense. Like you compare the stuff happening now, like that gunfight they have when they get attacked um, feels like pretty gritty and realistic by comparison. <laughs> um, and it's a pretty cool sequence. And of course, the bank vault at the end, which again, I was like, well, this seems plausible compared to the car in space but um and i just love how it re resolves it is i was like this movie's like friggin' perfect from like the way that it's structured is so good um yeah that fast five is a clear winner for me <laughs> yeah and i will also say because i feel like i've trashed on him a good bit i think the rock is phenomenal in fast five and oh, i actually yeah. think it's his best performance he's ever given um, I think it's the only one of the Fast and Furious movies where he takes the franchise seriously, and he is so good as a Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive stand-in. Basically, he's so intense. He's such a great foil for Vin Diesel. Um, and, and honestly, like he's a reason that I don't like Fast and Furious 6 as much. I'm still a big 6 fan, but um, I think his tone really clashes in that movie, and he's in it too much. But he's incredible in Fast 5. Yeah, he, he has one of my favorite moments. I like laugh out loud in the theater and how like, uh, I don't know the word would be, you know, it's kind of a spoiler. I think everyone who's listening has seen these movies, especially Fast Five, where uh, the main bad guy whose name I'm blanking is laying on the ground and they're on that bridge. And he's like, help me. And Rock just pulls that gun out and shoots him. <laughs> he's like, you killed my team, you son of a bitch. I was like, oh, God. And like, I remember being in the theater like, Jesus, uh, that was intense. Um, doesn't even look at me, just shoots him. Um, uh, yeah, Rock's like so dialed in in that movie i feel like and then it's like it is you're you're right after five he does start kind of like dialing up the uh the kind of um what's the word <laughs> like the silliness winkiness. the winkiness yeah i don't think it's as bad in six it really oh seven it gets wild when he flexes that cast off his arm i'm like oh boy like i, I kind of <laughs> love it but i kind of at least he's not in it very much at all he really yeah, isn't it's basically a glorified like cameo but um i kind of love the cast thing but i kind of also get why it's ridiculous like um yeah no no but in five he's like really locked in he's very intense um yeah there's all there's stakes in five too like there there's something at play you know what i mean for everybody it's like um yeah i mean i kind of wish about fast five on a podcast because i have so many positive things to say about that movie but um yeah i'm glad we agreed on, i thought we'd agree on that one for sure so yeah, I think if I made like a top 20 action movies of all time, people might think this was crazy. I would I think I'd put Fast Five on there It's one of my very favorite movies in this genre. You know, rewatching it. I, I can't even disagree with you. I don't I, I would I wouldn't fight you on it for sure. But um, it's just so like I was so blown away by how it's structured and how it's paced. Like it's so many things in one movie, but it doesn't feel rushed. And it's very it's a very satisfying movie by the end of it, how it resolves. And like, oh, man, it's just like all these things I love in one movie. Like I'm a big fan of a get the team together everyone has like certain skills and like let's do a heist you know and then how they pull off the heist and all that kind of stuff um while having great action set pieces so yeah i can't say enough, yeah, can't say enough good things about five so <laughs> an underrated thing about five great snappy witty dialogue i know no people normally wouldn't call out dialogue is a great thing in a fast and furious movie but i think because of my love for like 1940s films i love snappy witty dialogue and fast five is actually really good in that department yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I was noticing that too this time. And it's like, it's like everyone comes back to five feeling like they're refreshed and happy to be there. It's like a, it's like a high school reunion or something. And it's like, it got the vibe of like good friends getting back together for a purpose. And like by nine, it's like, why do we keep doing this? Like, it's like, why are we, why are we all still doing these ridiculous things together? Um, let's just go have a cookout, you know, let's not go like, why are we the team going to get this 
bullshit device. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just like there's a purpose in five. There's like a fun in five. It's it's almost like the party has gone on too long. The party is fresh in five. By nine, the party has gone on for like <laughs> until 5 a.m. And I was like, we got to go home now. Break it up. <laughs> You know what's funny? We never even mentioned who's like maybe technically the main villain of nine, which is I think his name is Otto. He is the worst. He's the lamest villain ever. He's such a sniveling, like nothing of a bad guy. And did you think that they were going to introduce like his dad as the big bad guy? Because he keeps mentioning like his dad is like the rich. His dad, I keep saying his dad. And I'm thinking, oh, who are they going to bring in to be his dad? Someone like. Harrison Ford or you know it's like who are they gonna, <laughs> like who are they gonna rope in to be this guy's dad because I'm like I'm thinking of all the possibilities because it seems like this guy is not your main bad guy like this is not a good main villain so I'm like his dad must be somebody like great I feel like so maybe 10 will be like the revenge of that guy's dad, you know, against the whole team or something. I just want Harrison Ford to show up and be like, you don't know what you're dealing with with the Toretto bloodline. <laughs> We got to kill the baby, Brian, because he's going to destroy the world one day. <laughs> the Toretto's have magical blood. <laughs> I thought they were going to go to the point where it's like the Toretto bloodline was like, go back to like King Arthur times or something. Oh, it was like magical warrior blood. <laughs> I was like, if this becomes like a line of like amazing warriors throughout history or something, I'm going to. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> this is such a random thing, but I, it's always stuck out in my memory something that Adam Risky said on your Mortal Kombat episode <laughs> where he said about Dom, he said, he's just this mechanic guy. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's like, God, you, it's, I mean, people joke about it constantly, but to go back to the first movie in this franchise and to look at where they've, where they've gotten is like truly insane. If you really think about it. <laughs> Like it's escalated so far. It's just crazy. Like um, Toretto bloodline, man, it's he's special. They're all special. Everybody's everybody can fight. Everybody's a hacker. I think I don't know. It's like um, it's crazy, but I still like them. I still uh, still want good things for these people. Um, but I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready for it to end. Basically, like I am not going to be sad when 10 comes in and they wrap it up and that's the end of it i think so yeah a friend of mine said that he feels like it ended at seven and everything after that is fan fiction and i I, i'm kind of on board with that i get that yeah it's starting to feel that way for sure (laughs) like it's yeah again it's so frustrating because seven's such a good ending and they just yeah they just botch it i feel like so um but they got to make that money so i kind of i mean i get it's a business thing but i do yeah it it had the biggest opening since 2019 i know i saw that yeah it's uh and I think even crazier because that's the other thing that they make so much money worldwide. It's like because I saw like they made like a hundred something million here, but it's already made like five hundred million dollars worldwide. <laughs> like so they do well overseas. So that's another reason they're going to keep making them. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but, you know, I, I had fun with this movie. I, I know I sound like I hated it or something, but but it was fun. It was just it was they pushed it a little too far for my liking. <laughs> It was fun at moments. I wish I had more fun. I feel like if I had more fun, I would have cared about the logic stuff a whole lot less. That's true. That's that's a very important part. I always say this about movies. I feel like if you're really into a movie, you won't be coming out questioning all the little logic stuff. If you don't like it, then you start getting into all the little nitpicky like logic issues. But um, yeah, eight and nine were the first times I remember kind of really like I mean, there were definitely stuff, things before where I was like, what? This is ridiculous. But I, th- I came out of this one like really 
picking it apart, which I don't want to do, but it was hard not to. So, yeah, you are you're right on that. Boy, <sighs> we, we could probably go on another hour if we wanted yeah. to, but we probably shouldn't. <laughs> no, no, we should probably wrap it up at two. I feel like. I keep trying to get a show down around an hour. It's not going to happen. I think the normal length is like two hours. Like, this isn't the departed. We don't need to talk for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, me and Mark could talk about when a stranger calls all <laughs> for three hours. Like this is, this is not a short podcast. We like to talk around here. So um, I don't mind it. I have fun. So, um, but yeah, we will wrap it up now. So, um, okay. Well, uh, yes. Well, thank you again for doing this, man. Cause I know I asked you a while ago and I feel like we messaged about it and it was like, are we sure we want to do this? And I was like, we can find stuff to talk about, right? <laughs> like, so I, I think we did a pretty good job. So, <laughs> I, Yeah, I, I had a good time at least. Uh, yeah, I had a good time. So that, yeah, we had fun. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, well, anyway, yes. Uh, thank you again for doing this. I will let you go ahead and just uh, plug places people can find you and your podcast, all that good stuff. Yep. Yeah, you can follow uh, the Cobwebs podcast on any podcast app where we talk about old movies. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Cobwebs Pod, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at Epler Daniel. And uh, definitely make sure you're following the Schlock and Awe podcast if you're not already, because I'm going to be on an ep- upcoming episode of that. And I feel like it's the first episode people might actually be interested in the movies that I'm talking about. Because before <laughs> it's like Fantastic Four, Down with Love, these early 2000s movies nobody likes. Uh, but these are movies people like. So I think people will uh, enjoy that one. Interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Yes, everyone should be following Lindsay and Shock and all, all the time, too. So um, I, I was telling Lindsay, we got to get talking again. I haven't had her on here for a while. Um, although she will be on soon for an unscottable and I need to get back on her show. Uh, I have an idea I pitched to her that I keep joking to her. will will get me like, uh, killed on film Twitter because ooh, it's like ooh. borderline, like a pairing that you would, people would probably find offensive. I think that I would, that I would pair these movies together. Oh no. Am I going to have to cut true, ties with you? No, no. It's just a true <laughs> schlock and all like, it's not like offensive movies, but it's like, truly, I think I really got to the core of like, one is the awe, one is the shock, like truly. So oh, you've got to tell me off mic. I, I will, I will. I, I, it's her show, so I wouldn't say it here, but I'll tell you offline. But, okay. um, but yeah, we're doing that, I think, at the end of this month, and I don't know when she'll put it out, but um, I'm looking forward to it because I pitched it, and I was like, this might not be a good idea, <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> I'm still excited to do it for myself and to talk with her about it. But um, but yes, yes, I'm looking forward to your episode too. So, um, but yes, I guess for our stuff, it's it's the usual. Uh, you can follow uh, me at MattBled87 on Twitter. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at FilmFeastPod. Uh, you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram at FilmFeast. Um, and that's pretty much it. So um, thanks again for listening, everybody. And we will see you next time. <laughs>